no. As in, oh, hell no. It's the State of Combat podcast on CBS Sports with the Brian Campbell. And you better believe it's back. It's backed and jacked with the performance enhancing audio, all that good stuff, all the catchphrases. But we're back and we're not happy, folks. It's the pro wrestling edition and the state of pro wrestling on the outside, behind them walls, is pretty damn good these days. It's what's going on on the inside. <sighs> That's getting us uh, bored, brother, confused, angry. Lot of that to get to today, or or will we? Because at this point, why don't we just roll out the balls, give you about a 10-minute recap of what's going on in the world and see what's going on from there. I don't know what else to say, folks, but I will say this. It all started in them dirty bed sheets at SummerSlam last year, and it has not ended Yes. All right. Outside of that, we do have a, uh, a fairly good show for you today. Look, I'm not here to talk about Raw. That's the bottom line. We'll talk about other things going on in the world of professional wrestling. And we have two slam dunk interviews for you, with you, by us, for you, that you don't want to miss. The face of SmackDown Live himself, Kevin Owens KO, dropping by the podcast. And... You guys ready for a revolution? That's what I'm talking about. Adam Hangman Page fired up to bring in this broham to talk AEW, double or nothing, uh, the rise of his career in a short time, maybe even that offer that WWE made to him. All that and more, we will get into that. Uh, Look, WWE proper, they're not proper anymore. They're not bringing it. But this right here, this show is still the big show, brother. Welcome to the big show, brother. You know what I'm saying? Back in 1984. 1984, brother. When you were still pooping in your diapers, dude. Back when wrestling was still good. Guys, I don't know what's going on anymore, all right? I don't know. All I do know is that if you care about this show, please continue to pay it forward. Five-star review, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Tinder, J-Day, wherever you're swiping, swipe right for us. Thank you very much. Let me bring in uh, this guy, your friend and mine. Silver King, come on down. By the way, that voice kind of sounds like Tristan Adelano, doesn't it? The voice I just played there. I mean, here's regular Tristan. I want to thank you for shutting the F up and letting me talk for That kind of sounds like the same guy. Anyway, here's my co-host. Let's bring him in. Say hello to the bad guy. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's hedged a couple times, guys. He'll tell you he never did. I was there. I saw it. It did happen. His name is the Silver King, Adam Silverstein. Hey, now. Can we start the show? Because there's going to be some negativity, whether you want to talk about Raw or you don't. But can I'm we not start talking the show about Raw. I'm not talking about Raw. I'm telling you right now, look, this is a funny act. It's a funny, oh, BC's mad at the product. I'm never going to watch wrestling. Dude, like... It, it's a joke now. Adam, right, it's a well, joke, all right? I, I, will, I will talk about it if you won't, but I want to start on a really positive note. There's no positives anymore. No, no, not about, not, not about the main roster. Uh, an experience. Last week, I got the chance to go to an NXT house show oh, wow. in West Palm Beach, Florida. Okay? And I was looking at the cards leading into it, and I was expecting, you know, crap, pretty much. Like, the lowest end of the card, I knew Kushida would be there, but I, I kind of figured... No one else was going to be there. And when we got there, the ring announcers slash hosts, which is a weird thing they're doing, basically promoted Punishment Martinez um, and not much else. Like, and Kushida. Th- those were the big names. And Mia Yim. Those were the three names they promoted as being there when everyone walked in. And I was like, oh, 
you know, it'll still be cool because it's NXT and WWE hooked it up and thank you guys very much. But I was depressed. I was like, oh, this is not going to be great. How about my main event was Velveteen Dream versus Matt Riddle wow. for the NXT North American Championship. How about Kyrie Sane showed up from SmackDown and teamed with Io Shirai against Shayna Baszler, uh, Marina Shafir, and Jessamyn Duke? How about the Street Damn Profits were there? That show, I got to be honest, there's people you can get in for 20 bucks to these NXT house shows. If it comes to your area, spend the 20 bucks, go to your NXT house show. It was more fun than it should have been, and it was better wrestling than it should have been. I got Kushida against Umberto Carrillo. I mean, are you kidding me? That's that's like a NXT TV match, and I'm getting it for free. Not for free, but at this NXT house show. So honestly, it's it's my advice, the Silver King's advice. If NXT is in your area, you already know we love the TV product, the TakeOver product. The house show product is great. You know what Go Silver King's really saying here? He's saying, in Paul, he trusts. I am great. You are, Paul. You are. It's that other guy. That's our problem here. Uh, Adam, uh, anybody on that NXT show that isn't regularly featured, uh, like, steal the show, jump out at you. Yeah, you know, I had to look up their names, and I don't. I'm going to try to get it while I'm rambling here and wasting time, which is a full BC move, just kind of talking until you can find the sound drop or something you can look for. But there were these guys that really just stood out to me as, like, fake young bucks, I guess. They even looked a little bit like them. Uh, I believe their tag team name is 3.0, but I am not able right now to find their actual names. It's something like Matt Parker and some other dude that's a very short American sounding name. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm struggling to find it, so I'm just going to let it go. All right. Uh, some guys. But they, were, but they were on the show, and they fought the Forgotten Sons, and they outshined the Forgotten Sons, which are, you know, main card NXT guys, and easily outshined them. It Although, was pretty let's be honest, the Forgotten Sons are very forgettable. They're, they're a, uh, they're the a job fits. squad, if you will, in, in NXT. The name does fit, yeah. And and it was it was difficult to come out of that positive experience, and then... Go into Monday night. Yeah. So look, here's the deal. Um, I'm serious. It's not a shtick. Like, like I can be the revolution guy on here, and there's weeks that I come out and be like, you know, Adam, I, I just I can't do it anymore. Can't do it anymore with Raw and SmackDown. But you know what happens in those weeks, Adam? I still get flooded with DMs of these like the hardcore marks. And by the way, you're gonna hear me use the term mark on the show. And you're gonna hear Kevin Owens get mad at me for using it. But look, I say mark because I'm a mark. I'm a 40 year old guy who buys WWE t-shirts and spends nine hours a week watching this product. I am a mark. We are all marks. Thank you. But there are the marks out there who are like, you WWE could never do wrong, Adam. So we have many of those weeks on this show where I'm telling you, yeah, I'm ready for a revolution, and they're saying, dude. It still delivers. Stop being an a-hole. The Silver King's right. He never hedged all this stuff. Remember last week I played you a bunch of DMs that for the first time, like the, it felt like the back was breaking. Somebody was getting humbled, brother. Shiki style. Like it felt like, like the ship be sinking. Well, this week the, the Titanic exploded, Adam, because it's like I have 58 DMs of people who are like, I'm never watching this product again. So Mia, it's not a shtick to come out here and be like, I don't want to talk about Raw. I don't want to give them the the uh, the benefit of our time, our money that we put into the show. Time is money. I don't want to do it. You know, the moment I knew we were done, Adam, I did not watch Raw Live this week. As you know, I had a West Coast fiasco. I'm in L.A. right now. I was unable to watch it at 8 Eastern, so I had to wait three hours. And I go to check my DMs. I go, wow, we're 20 minutes into Raw. I got nine DMs already. What the hell is going on here? You know, you know where I'm going with this? And... uh 
this, well, this, don't steal my thunder. I mean, I have a nice little thing prepared here. Is this going to steal gonna my thunder or thing. what? No, I'm not stealing your thunder. You're going to get okay. your thing. But uh, I get a, a DM from at Robbie Vogler. Never heard of this guy, but he's part of our family. So welcome, Robbie. Thank you. He's like, Brian, I have a feeling this Raw is going to put you over the edge. I just wanted to message you before you completely give up on the product. I'm a first-time <laughs> DMer, long-time listener. You and the Silver King do a great job. This isn't the end. Plan on more of these. Cheers and the uh, double beer emoji. So, Adam, that was sort of like, oh, what am I getting into here? Adam, I got about nine more of those Robbie Vogler varieties that were like, BC, I'm done with the product, but you guys can't break. You guys can't die. You can't be done with the product because all I'm going to do moving forward is watch the takeovers and listen to your podcast. And that's going to be my fill. We need you in this role. But what do you what do you expect me to say on the show today, Adam? What do you expect me to say? You expect me to break down why I didn't like Raw this week? Like, come on. Well, it's not so much breaking down why you didn't like Raw, because it's obvious. I mean, I spoke to two people at WWE after the show, uh, both on Tuesday. And I basically just all I really tweeted or tweeted, uh, texted them was the vomit emoji. And I said, really, to both of them. And the response I got was, we know it's unanimous. So everyone knows that Raw on Monday night was shit because and I use that word. We try not to you know, even do the blur lines of, of cursing here, but that's the only actual word to describe it. I, I tweeted before the show when I found out that Roman Reigns was going to be on Raw and that they were doing this whole thing and there were rumors maybe Daniel Bryan would be there. I basically tweeted that I was going to set the bar as low as I could. I was prepared for actual disaster because those announcements told me they didn't know what's wrong, that they don't understand what's wrong with their product. And then all WWE did, BC, was give me, and I mean this, the worst episode of Monday Night Raw that I've ever seen. I mean, that's actually fair. In in the age of hyperbole, that's actually fair. This wasn't just ish or shiite or shit, however you want to say it. What's the worst? What's the only thing worse than shit? Probably flaming shit because it would smell even more. It would smell worse. Yeah. Like, so it's lighting ish on fire. While it was burning once my flesh. Say, once you already say the word shit, you don't then need to go say ish. It was it's already a, what it's the, already F in the universe. is going on here, Adam. Yeah. So to me, this on Monday night is an example of WWE having no idea whatsoever what's wrong with its creative product. And the first 23 minutes of Raw, where we got no wrestling, it was just that extended segment. It was one of the most convoluted and nonsensical things that I've seen on WWE TV. I thought that they were giving us Vince McMahon with like a senality type of angle where the wild card rule, because he kind of said, oh, yeah, I just came up with that. It felt like a gimmick. And Reigns and Kingston were there rolling their eyes. And I was like, oh, this is great. They're going to almost push Vince out to pasture. And maybe they go BC's way and, and they give us this. Shane McMahon versus McMahon, Helmsley, Triple H, and and Stephanie for control of the company that Vince seems to have clearly lost. But as the show progressed, they were talking about the wildcard rule as if it was real and it was actually what their solution was to their problems. And I realized, no, they just don't get it. Lack of big name superstars on each brand is not the problem. And this ridiculous wild card rule, and every time I say it, imagine quotes around it, it only ensures that mid-card and low-card talent on Raw and SmackDown both will just 
stop being on TV because there's only so much time and they have so many superstars. We haven't seen the women's tag team champions in weeks. Where has Chad Gable gone? They finally introduced Buddy Murphy on SmackDown, BC, and you didn't see it because it happened off TV in an online-only exclusive. This is a guy who you and I both agree could be a, a, a change maker well, in not WWE. Only that's us, but Sasha that's the, how talented he is. Sasha the dog, too. From the moment we saw him, we thought, sex. Instead, WWE, why don't you try actually planning and not botching a superstar shakeup that is supposed to last one week and instead goes three? Maybe try not instituting a stupid wildcard rule and then literally breaking it two hours later in your show when you have six SmackDown superstars appear instead of your three. This isn't about – the issue with your product isn't that fans don't believe anything can happen. It's not what's keeping fans away. Your roster is effing stacked. The brand split is necessary to keep these names apart and to run two different shows because you refuse to let anyone go. You have to figure out ways to use them. And Vince knows this, and it's why he refuses to end the brand split. This big name star thing isn't the issue. And if USA and Fox are telling WWE that it is, then they're as idiotic as WWE itself is. They're as clueless as Vince. What is the problem, BC? What do fans want? They want high-quality matches. They want the story. They want continuity. They want the story. The story is, in wrestling, it's the story, the story, the story. That's how we got hooked as kids. It was the muscles and the violence that brought us to the screen, but we stayed for the story. And it's, oh, even in 2019, with work rates through the roof and Okada Omega happening, the story, the story, the story. Yes, and it's, and you, it's the story plus then you deliver with the high-quality match, not 50-50 rivalries and rematches. What was the first thing they did after announcing the wildcard rule? They announced two WrestleMania rematches. One month after the show, it was basically like they gave us backlash on Raw, which no one wants to see. And BC every year, payback and backlash. When those shows happen, you and I are like, oh my God, they can't move on, right? And, and it's, it's the huge criticism. And they thought that would save Raw. You have Braun Strowman chasing Sami Zayn and throwing him into a dumpster. How many times have we seen that? Lars Sullivan attacking people. We still don't know what his motivation is. We don't know anything about his character. It's mind-numbingly boring. The Viking Raiders come out with their second name in as many in however many weeks they've been on. The crowd was silent. This is one of the best tag teams in the world. They've totally botched their debut, and they've done absolutely nothing to explain these characters and who they are except to say modern-day Vikings by making the revival look like fools, and whether you believe it's because they – you know, refuse right. to resign or not. They're making the Usos look like jokes. This is Dude, the number one. The Usos. I got to pause you real quick. Cause I, I didn't want to talk about Raw, but this, the, the most, my mountaintop angry point was watching the revival take bumps Scoot on their asses because their crotch was on fire. Now, look, you made a comment last week. I think it was that like in the past we've cheered for comedy, like a Kurt Angle, a edge. Yes, we have because it's it was good comedy delivered by by great people. This is such forced crap ish stick comedy that doesn't work. That doesn't fit into things. That's just thrown at the screen. Like, are you? That was it was pathetic to watch. I would rather the revival go back and do a double Raw twenty five gangbang with with DX and just and then and then quit and then shoot themselves and then shoot me. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to bring up Benoit, but you know where I'm going with this. It's ridiculous. Yeah, and even if you're doing it to punish the revival, 
you're, which I don't believe they are. I just think it's them trying to embarrass heels, which is what they do. You're making the Usos, which is the number one best tag team in the world, in my opinion. Yes, you can like the Young Bucks and Penta and Phoenix. I like the character work and everything with the Usos, the entire package. For me, they're number one. You're making them look like a joke by comparison. Brian, look at how they were presented Tuesday night on SmackDown as one of the best tag teams in the world that could cut a legitimate promo and challenge Daniel Bryan and Rowan. And then look at how they were, they were presented one night earlier. Just them, right? Then they give us an Ali-Andrade match on SmackDown. You know how they presented that match, BC, which could, could have stolen the show. Maybe it would steal any show that you and I would ever see. They immediately go to commercial. They come back from commercial. Business picks up. We're excited. They have Randy Orton interfere, DQ the match, and RKO both guys. You're trying to build new stars, or you should be trying to build new stars, not put over a guy who's a 10-year veteran who doesn't need to be put over and who should be doing jobs for other people. Then they give us a four-minute Roman Reigns career retrospective right in the middle of the show, a video package. Why? God forbid Roman isn't on both shows and we go two hours without talking about Roman Reigns. One, one, so, one question on that. I want to pause you real quick on that. I got a quick DM on that right there real quick go for from um, crisis actor Bagger Vance at Mr. Brendan 23. You know this this guy, right? Yeah, he tweets us all the time. He DMs, oh my God, exclamation point. Look, all credit to, and he's using his Michael Cole voice, the big dog. But how Iraqi state TV was that Roman video package? Oh, and Raw was an abomination. Don't talk about any of it. Wow, thank you, Mr. Brendan23. Uh, when he wrote Ira- Iraqi State TV, I read that DM right before that Roman promo came on. I think he nailed it. It was unnecessary. It was a career retrospective of a guy, and I don't know. They didn't give any reason why they played it. Did they you know they promoting did the, 20- the Elias match. They did the 2015 Rumble with him winning, and they played fake cheers over it. It, it was... My mind was almost because I was already upset about Randy Orton and the start of SmackDown sucked. The rest of the show was great. I'll be honest. But no, not but great. Not great. It was it was very good, in my opinion, at, at a minimum. Um, But my mind was blown. I was like, why are they doing this? Why are they? Why are we spending four minutes of TV? Where where's Chad Gable? Where are the iconics? You know what they could have done instead? How about the promo by Murphy that was online exclusive? What about the iconic promo that was online exclusive? How about the Kevin Owens promo? talking to Biggie's huge head on their production truck, which was incredible. And hey, BC, what about the Daniel Bryan promo, which I know you have, which is one of the best promos we've heard all year. And they've almost all come from Daniel Bryan. But God forbid you put it on television. Yeah, I want to play that Daniel Bryan promo in a second. But um, uh, I'm going to give you the floor. Are you done? I I want to retort and and report to you. Look, this is this is the point. It is clear to me through three hours of Raw and the first, let's call it, 20 minutes of SmackDown, WWE simply doesn't understand. And they can talk to as many expert journalists and they can run surveys. But if you want to fix your ratings, WWE, the answer is not stupid wildcard rules and, and throwing stars on both brands and making things more convoluted than it already is. The answer is fire half your writing staff, not, not because – they're necessarily I don't bad. think it's fire half your writing staff. It's listen but, to your writing staff, maybe. Well, no, because well, no, I because I saw a damn like creative writing recruitment video from WWE, and there's like 30 of them. You don't need 30 people. You know why? Because you're scripting every promo. Promos don't need to be scripted. Your talent are capable human beings. They're professionals in this industry, and you know how I know that because I'm seeing their awesome promos on social media from your accounts. Put those on television, okay? 
actually stick to your scripts and follow continuity, develop storylines like you ended up doing with Becky Lynch, even though you had a little too much time, like you ended up doing with Kofi Kingston, even though it was a little rocky. Give us payoffs, and then when feuds end, end them. Stop 50-50 booking Ricochet and Bobby Roode. Give us things that we can sink our teeth into because that will get us to tune in every single week to watch your product because we want to know what's going to happen next with our favorite superstars. Is Finn Bauer going to remain the Intercontinental Champion or are you just going to throw him into a Money in the Bank match because he's small and exciting and he's going to be able to do flips, right? What exactly is your plan? That is how you fix WWE. Continuity, strong booking, good storylines, and let your talent be themselves, not by just throwing the big dog on two shows in one week. Thanks. Let me tell you. Let me tell you a piece of meat that I enjoyed. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You sunk your teeth into that one. Um, yeah. I mean, you're not saying anything that's wrong or that we haven't uh, diagnosed in recent weeks to try to fix them. And and you nailed it. And ultimately, is this? You made a key mention there about uh, you know, a dirt sheet report comes out after Raw was horrific that Fox and NBC were like, we need this brand split to go. But look, I don't blame them because look at from Fox and NBC's perspective, they're rivals of each other. They both put in a hell of a lot of money that normally would buy you all of WWE's rights, but only getting Raw or SmackDown for it. And they're basically saying, we're about to, if you're Fox, you're saying, we're about to launch SmackDown soon, which is supposed to be a giant deal, maybe a game-changing deal, a billion dollars, live, primetime, Friday night. We're going to give you the NFL to promote your product. We're going to, you know, give you PBC Boxing to promote your product. We're, we're going to give you everything you would want, right, ever. And your ratings are going through the tank, and and we may not get these quote unquote superstars, as Stephanie always says. I hate they're damn wrestlers, all right. We may not get the wrestlers that we want because you do a brand split. So from their perspective, I don't hate that either network or both would say, "Look, Vince, uh, Trip, Steph." You might want to shake things back up. You may want to go back to an open thing where if Roman Reigns is hot and he shows up on Monday night, then you tell people you better tune in on Friday night to see what happens next. That's just smart. But WWE obviously botched it and bungled it because here's what you need to do. End the brand split. Don't say the reason why, but end the brand split. Come out and end it. And their way of ending it is soft play ruining it with a stupid wild card, which means all we're going to get is chaos every single week. Nothing's going to make sense. There's not going to be any storyline connections because the most popular names are just going to keep showing up in random spots. It's so freaking stupid. But you can't end the brand split. That you, They cannot do it. Their roster is too big. Imagine if there were half as many titles and you had all these people on, on two shows, right? And so there's one WWE championship and you have Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, AJ Styles, uh, Kevin Owens, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, all going after one title. You have all these women, Bailey, Charlotte, blah, 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 all going after Becky's well, no, one title. It title. doesn't work. Well, let me tell you this. You can keep the separate titles and what you essentially would do. And you're right about the idea of there's only so many hours and you have too many people. That is true. But what you would essentially do is let's say Roman Reigns gets full on raw, typical Roman Reigns booking on an episode. Let's say he's part of the opening 20 minute sequence. Then he shows up in backstage things throughout the night. And then at the end, he has a main event match then you still promote him for SmackDown, but all he does is come out and cut a five-minute promo. You know what I mean? Or all he does is run in on somebody's match. But they have so much talent and so many big stars. I'm not saying it's ideal. That's not the issue with their ratings. Okay, you're right. 
but this is a separate issue that they have to deal with because of they, their decision to make more money and split Ron SmackDown between two different networks. So, Adam, they're going to have to deal, which I've been talking about for months, that the best-case scenario here is that Ron SmackDown are actually competing against each other because there's two separate giant media conglomerates that are putting in their own money. So... It's not ideal to have people on different brands, but at the same time, you can pick out your four, five, or six biggest names, and you can still pull it off by having them have their main meet on one show and then just show up on the other one. Here's the deal. On its own, the quote-unquote wildcard rule isn't a bad thing. No, it's like, no, 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 because, because it's doing what you're saying. It's not ending the brand split, but still saying, hey, we're going to have the potential for excitement to happen. But the reason it's bad is because it's being done in response to ratings right. tanking as if it's the fix for it. It's exactly. not the fix for it. You need to fix your storylines and your booking and, and the continuity and all the other stuff I've talked about because you legitimately do have plenty of stars on both shows. You need to do all those things we I talked that. about. You nailed that and, and you need to build new stars. You need to take someone like Andrade, who, by the way, credit to Andrade, his English is coming along, and that's really good for his long-term career. But you need to take guys like Andrade – and elevate them to mid-card and we, then to the main nailed, event. We've nailed all the reasons why it's not working. But, 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 but I, know, I know you're frustrated, but i got to get some of the floor, too. i got to be able to talk. I understand. But my, my, my point to answer you, though, is if you do all of that on the outside, then the wild card rule is fine. That, that's what no, I'm trying to say. It's, it's, it's a fine addition. No, it's, it's, but to actually label it a wild card rule is stupid. It shows yes. that you have no plan. So what you would do, Adam, is you ju- you would just end the brand split. You'd keep the same amount of titles because you have so many people, and you would appease Fox or NBC by saying, okay, who are the four people you care about the most from the other brand? Well, they will have a presence on our show. It sucks, exactly. but it's how you please two masters. But you know what WWE's reaction this week was? To come out with the ridiculous, like you mentioned, the wild card thing, but to really just go... We don't know what else to do, so here's what we're going to do. Take our four or five biggest superstars and just throw them at the screen in pay-per-view title matches. Oh, but don't worry. That'll appease our audience. Really? Is it going to appease our audience that the WWE Championship was competed for on on consecutive nights on shows in situations where, A, why would the WWE Championship be competed for on Raw and SmackDown unless it was a special circumstance? It's your biggest championship. It should only be competed for on a pay-per-view. Now, we already know you're promoting Kofi versus KO for the next pay-per-view. So guess what? There's zero chance the title is going to change hands. Nor should it, by the way. So how do we win? You said SmackDown was really good. I think SmackDown just wasn't raw. So we felt like it was good. But I think it still sucked because... You know what it is? It's an absent father showing up, and I've made this comparison before, but it's an absent father showing up with a bicycle and going, hey, guys, it's dinner time. Who wants candy? Who wants ice cream? Screw those vegetables. Yeah, on the surface, Kofi versus Dan O'Brien, WrestleMania rematch, Kofi versus AJ Styles and Sammy. Guess what? There's no connection to storyline whatsoever except for KO running in at the end of SmackDown, which is... In theory, makes zero sense. Why? Because KO just laid out last week why Kofi is a weak champion who shouldn't have the title and why he will beat him easily at Money in the Bank. So yet he would come in and then try to ruin so that his friend Sami Zayn can win the title? So that he's got to face his friend and rival Sami Zayn at Money in the Bank? It doesn't make any sense, obviously, because they don't care. So the problem is all the things that you mentioned – all the things that we mention every week about what's wrong with the show. But as we know in WWE, it all funnels up to the top. 
There's a stamp on the end of the line in every situation. Talk to every single fired ex-writer in WWE, and they say, we have all the same ideas you have, frustrated fan watching the show. And it's one man who's ruining it. So while we do the in Paul we trust gimmick on here, it's not a gimmick. Because guess what? If you watch NXT every week, which Paul runs, the story matters most and the action's great. If you watch 205 Live, which you told me to watch this week, guess what? Paul runs that. The story is what matters, and the matches are great. If you watch NXT TakeOver, it rules. The only thing if you watch that doesn't rule is the Vince-controlled Raw and SmackDown. So we make a lot of jokes on here. Does Vince still have it anymore? Oh, he's too old, but then he does a moment every once in a while that reminds us he's still got it. And certainly, guys, he's still got it from the idea of production and making money and doing things big. But the problem is he's leaning on those things as a clutch. The story doesn't matter to him. He's not thinking like a 2019 wrestling fan who grew up in a different era. He's thinking as a guy who thinks in his mind that he's constantly evolving and doing all these other things that matter more when it's the story. It's not the sauce. It's the meat that matters more. And I got a tweet this week that was mind-blowing to me, mind-opening and expanding. From Mike Lee Roth, and that's M-Y-K-E, at Mike Lee Roth 19. You don't know this guy, Adam. I don't know this guy from Adam. No. He's not part of the Adam faction. I don't know this man. He tweets me and says, are we seeing the end of Vince? Similar to Vern Gagne in the 1980s. This time, the Federation of the Old Lion will survive. And by the way, Mike, because of the, the financial advantage they have, yes, they will survive. But at what cost? So here's why that's mind-blowing, Adam. Not the idea of, is Vince too old and ruining the product? We already know that. Watch NXT or NXT TakeOver. and You know what I mean? Watch New Japan. You know that what's going on in WWE, they're not maximizing what they have. We all know that. But the comparison to, Vin- to Vern Gagne is wild from the standpoint that AWA was part of the big three of the 80s with Jim Crockett prom- promotions NWA and WWF at the time, right? But it was the stepchild of the three. Yet there was that time in the early to mid-80s when AWA had Hulk Hogan as he was taking off after Rocky III, as he was, as he was about to explode, but stubborn Vern wouldn't put the title on him, kept screwing him over. They have Kurt Henning turning into the beginning of a massive superstar. Scott Hall, the, the Midnight Rockers with Marty Jannetty and Shawn Michaels. They have this foundation there of like really good wrestlers and they, because Vince's WWF rock and roll rock and wrestling connection blew up. Vern signs a national TV deal with ESPN. So they're on all the damn time nationally. And we know the story. They blew it. The money ran out because Vern couldn't adjust to modern day. You know, in the, at first he couldn't adjust to what Vince was doing, and then he did really poor bastardized versions of what Vince was doing to try to survive. What's the comparison here? Vern had a lot of success and was unrivaled in those, like, 60s and 70s old territory days. In fact, he pulled his organization out of the NWA and was sort of this upstart rival, very similar to what Vince did in the 80s, by the way, to, to break out of the territory system and go national. Vern also would endlessly put himself over in his 50s, put himself in the main event of their biggest shows and put his kids over above developing new talent and giving them the platform they deserve. And in the end, mostly, he was unable to adjust to where the 1980s were going. Adam, 
Vince McMahon in 2019 is unable to adjust to where 2019 wrestling is. And what is 2019 wrestling? It's still the story that matters most, but it's the indie style. It's this, it's that, it's that. Trips gets it. Vince doesn't. So if this stays on the way it is and Vince holds ultimate control and he stays this stubborn, no, they're not going to go bankrupt. No, AEW is not going to become the number one in the world. I'm not saying that. WWE has a lead and an advantage that's impressive right now. But Adam, how much of a debacle could be WWE's ratings a year from now after the launch of Fox if this type of stubborn copy and paste, oh, this the, the dam's uh, leaking over here. Let me stick a Band-Aid and give you a title match. You don't, that doesn't matter. Like, what's the, what could happen? What's the, what's well, the, the end game here? Like you said, the company itself won't tank, but the products could truly, I mean, it's, it's, on a downward slope, okay? But the product – and WrestleMania was – I mean, I mean, look, man. They sold that WrestleMania, right? And it was – yes, it was New York. And there was a huge second market you know, for tickets and stuff. So this company's not going away. But the product can decline to such a degree. And you've already seen it with Dean Ambrose and you've already seen it now with Sasha Banks voicing her displeasure that a lot of the stars in this company – and we're not talking about Roman or Charlotte necessarily, but the – maybe second tier, okay, can go and just say, what am I doing here? I can make as much or similar or slightly less money and go not just in a- to AEW but to New Japan, work independently as, an, as just an in- – you want to talk about an independent contractor, be an independent contractor as yourself and make good money, set your own schedule and do all these things and WWE starts losing stars and then viewership declines even more and they try to bring people up from NXT but they're not developed enough. So the product gets worse, and now they're overly scripting promos because the people they're bringing up aren't ready. There's a there's a lot that could happen very, very wrong. The thing is, I don't think it will. And even though we don't have any indication that Vince will just give up at some point and let Triple H take over, I think between Stephanie and Paul and the XFL starting up and all this other stuff, I know Vince is the the biggest egomaniac in the entire world, but at some point, if you have enough people say to you at, in an intervention type setting, you know, dad, sir, father-in-law, whatever you want to call it, it's time to step aside from creative. At some point, he has to step aside from creative, and that's not to say that that's the only issue. But he would only. BC, but Adam, he would only do that. Sorry to cut you off. If they had like a disastrous ratings decline where like suddenly they were losing money every month. Like it wouldn't anything short of that. You know, Vince, he's, he's, he's just thinks he's a fighter. He's going to keep, but it's also up to other people to kind of step in sometimes for the betterment of the business. I mean, you see this, this happens in industry, right? And, And again, Vince is different. He's totally different, but you see this thing happen. Um, but if the XFL takes off or next year when it starts bubbling up, you know, after the Super Bowl in February, let's not forget Vince, is trying he's not maybe he claims he's not doing as much with the XFL as he is with WWE but if it's Vince Vince McMahon he's not doing nothing so a portion of his brain power and his energy is being diverted to that um they also WWE I know I know you compared it to NXT it does not have the inherent advantage of taping three or four shows at once and that does help greatly with continuity and they don't have the advantage of NJPW which doesn't really do TV although Gato's great, and there's no really no criticism for him. He he books the hell out of that show. So, you know, there's no real, com- real comparison there. Um, 
but they're in a really difficult spot because they're not servicing their fans. And it's not just about creating new superstars and, and booking and continuity. They do things like, Hey, we're going to save some money, even though we're making more money than we ever have. And we're going to cut, we're going to cut pyro. And you know, those Titan Tron videos you used to enjoy of highlight packages. We're just going to put names and graphics up there. Now and they do things that are pissing their fans off. They're keeping talent hostage. And, and I don't use that term. I'm kind of using it just for uh, you know flowery, flowery language here. But they hold talent in many ways against their will when they actually don't have anything to do with them. Like Revival, they go, hey guys, we're not letting you out, but we're going to push you and we're going to do something with you. Cool. We're going to push you off Luke. the edge. We're going to try to make you quit. Well, no, basically. not at first. They gave them the titles and it looked like they were doing something and then they reoffered them a contract and then they said no and who knows what's happening now. But then you have Luke Harper who is like, guys, I'm 40. You're not using me. Please let me out of my contract. You and they go, Rhino? you know what? You see, Screw you, Luke. Did you see Rhino got offered – Rhino did the same thing. He asked for his release, and they offered him double the money to stay. To stay home. And, and it's an like, why, why are you keeping – why are you trying to keep Rhino? What do you think he's going to do? Go to AEW and train some wrestlers? Like, he's, he's irrelevant. And, and no hate to Rhino. I love Rhino. No hate to Rhino. I'm just saying. No, and even in the best case, he's a hand for AEW. Like, he be, he, be, he, could, he could play a role, but you, but the point is he's, he's not, not bringing change. ratings to AEW. Right, he's right. not changing your business model. Don't be stupid with things. Fight battles that you that you think you need to win. Sasha Banks. That's a battle. I, I support WWE in that you can't let her go because she's the number one woman on, on AEW if you let her out of her contract. You can't do it. You have to be smart and try to keep her, right? That's different than Luke Harper. It's different than Rhino. It's different than some of these other people. So – Stop! Stop pissing off your fans, All right, and I gotta, start yeah. doing what they want. And and doing what they want doesn't mean pushing certain superstars. It means giving them a quality product. It actually means going back to the roots of what you do. And it's not video packages and Titan Trons. It's the story. Here's a DM that has an interesting question at the end that I want to read. You know, uh, at Wolf of 38th Street, you know this guy, right? Yeah, yeah, he messes me all the time. Good guy. He says, guys, my DM is probably going to get lost in a sea of DMs from disgruntled fans, but I need to get it off my chest. And there was a deep sea of disgruntled fans. He says, BC, I'm finally done watching Raw and SmackDown. They've pushed me over the edge. I plan on listening to your recaps every week. And based on your review, going back and watching anything worthwhile, I've canceled my WWE Network subscription until SummerSlam. Vince has completely destroyed everything that I've loved about wrestling. Double or nothing or AEW can't come soon enough. I'm all in, baby. Side note, here's the interesting part of his DM. Can these idiotic fans stop bowing to Vince every time his music hits? Stop encouraging him. Boo him. Chant, please retire. Get him out of here. Adam, I love this DM because when Vince came out, and I knew because I was watching Raw late, I had already gotten the DMs of people saying, oh, my God, this wild card, it's horrific. And then I watch Vince come out to open Raw, and people are bowing and cheering to him. And I know at that point he hadn't done the wild card, he will turn, I'm a genius thing. But here's the point that started getting in my head. Wolf of 38th Street nailed it. At what point are the fans going to revolt to the level where they try to take over the show every time Vince talks? Rather than cheering him on as the legend, what if they just started cheering like, please retire or Paul needs the book or what, or this thing sucks. This thing sucks like to like a organized level. And I say this because I cover boxing and boxing's a heartbreaking sport. In the past decade, I've been up and down on the roads of where they had way too many pay-per-views and they didn't, they were way too expensive and no one fought the best, didn't fight the best. And what we used to say is the only way to get these promoters to change and start booking good matches again that matter 
is to stop buying them. That's the only way that you can speak to them is to stop buying them. And when the buy rates are so low, they'll go, oh, crap, we got to go back to putting good matches on. Adam, I mean, we don't love it per se when fans take over the show. But if every time Vince or McMahon came out and tried to speak and the crowd joined together and destroyed them, wouldn't that change something? Yeah, it might. But so first to just address the Vince thing, I understand what they're saying. You want to crap on Vince when he comes out, like to send a message. But here's the thing. If you're a professional wrestling fan, if you're me, right, I've been watching wrestling for most of my life and I get the opportunity to see Vince McMahon live. And I think to myself, well, the guy doesn't show up often on TV, although he has been more the last nine months than he had previously. Um, But this guy doesn't normally show up on TV. And when do you really see him? And you get the opportunity to see Vince McMahon live and say thank you as a fan by cheering or bowing or whatever you do. You kind of feel like I should do that. It's, it's not going through your head in the moment like, oh, I should crap all over this guy. In your head, it's, uh, oh, man, holy crap, that's Vince. That's, that's no chance in hell. It's one of the best theme songs in WWE history, one of, the best, one of the best entrance musics ever, right? That's your thought. You're not thinking of, like, how can I crap on him? But it is true what you said, which is about boxing, which is pe- they stopped making fights people wanted to watch. People stopped buying them the sport tank, and they realized, well – we better start trying to make these guys fight each other and give us Mayweather Canelo and give us Canelo Triple G and 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 revitalize the heavyweight division and actually put, you know, some uh, time and effort into this besides just saying, well, the Klitschko's have the title and they can run with that for, for eight or ten years or whatever the case. The difference between boxing and WWE is boxing doesn't control who wins and loses even though it does, uh, whereas WWE does. And WWE, unlike boxing, has a guy at the top who doesn't know what's wrong. Boxing knew what was wrong, BC, but they were still making money, so they didn't care about fixing it. Vince doesn't know what's wrong, or at least it doesn't seem like he does, and that's the biggest problem. Well, because he's because he, to Vince, what's wrong is financially based, and he's swimming in financial, so, you know, and he in his mind probably, well, the ratings are up and down, but that's the people. Oh, I'll come back and give him a title. Oh, WrestleMania rematch. They loved Kofi, didn't they? Well, here, let's have him wrestle Daniel Bryan again for no reason. They'll love that. No, they didn't love it, all right? And I don't love you anymore, Vince, all right? I'm sorry. Apologize, you son of a bitch! Not apologizing. I know I've given well, you I think, a lot of you know, money. I think you can, look, Vince himself, as a, and we can, we'll get into this one day, but <laughs> Vince himself, I mean, he's had accusations against him, and he's done things that aren't good, and He's in a deal, a 10-year deal now with Saudi Arabia. I mean, look, there's plenty to criticize Vince McMahon about all time, but he is still, above it all, the guy who stewarded WWE from the WWF into the biggest property in professional wrestling. He he killed WCW, he beat ECW, and he's taken out all comers all time. So it's it's fun to root for this guy and to say – Oh, this guy who – and by the way, he also has one of the best on-screen characters of all time. So it's like it's this guy that you want to praise, but he just gives you so many reasons not to, yeah. both legitimate and you know storyline-wise. And now we have this where Monday night – and it will be the last time I say it. I was prepared for disaster. I literally tweeted, I am ready for disaster. Anything except disaster will be good, and it was worse than I thought. All right, I want to play you one more final DM on this topic so then we can play the Daniel Bryan sound and roll on. Uh, here's a nice brother. I didn't know him, but he apparently knows us and loves us from Ant at refuse to be underscore normal. 
2B is 2 and B. All right. Hey, welcome, man. Okay. He says, sure. hey, BC, long time, first time here. Fan since the cheap heat days. I miss the hip-hop references, by the way. I usually side with Silver King most weeks. Whoa, and Wow, all right. He says, 90% of the time, I roll my eyes at the stuff you say. Really? <laughs> really? But to quote a man who may not like me due to my skin tone, I'm bored, brother, and I'm ready for a revolution. VKM this is, is a good DM. This is a good DM, by it the way. Is. Sneaky good already. VKM is killing me with this crap. He clearly wants to end the brand split. Then he opens Raw every week with boring stuff, no rematches. Then he gives us rematches, and the Usos are a joke now. I'm very close to canceling my WWE Network and get the cheaper Disney Plus in November, which I'll use more than once a month. NXT and the takeovers are on Hulu, which I didn't know, so I can still get an enjoyable, amazing product that Trips puts out. Well done there, and on the Trips we trust. He says, keep up the great work and stop pushing Silver King's buttons so that he doesn't quit. Wow. <laughs> With Rosenberg slacking on the cheap heat releases, I rely on you two and the maker of shoes for my weekly wrestling fix. Thanks again, guys. Now say goodbye. Say goodbye. Say goodbye. I mean, um, if you, look, if you guys want me to do rap references all day, I can. I, I, it's not a lack of knowledge here. I'm trying not to be his other or his previous host, but I'm trying not to be that guy. So well, I, think I can do it if you guys want. The but. thing that jumped out of me is, is one, that this guy agrees with you 90% of the time. I didn't think there were people like that. But two, most people. stop most pushing people Silver guy. King's button so he doesn't quit. Guys, here's what you don't understand. We are so close to Silver King quitting and the Red and Black Attack podcast <laughs> coming out that we need to double down on this, guys, all right, to push you behind the fourth wall. But thank you, Ant, for jumping. Well, what what happened here is it took all semblance of argument that I had against you where I could say, look, you know, BC, you're right. This, this X, Y, and Z was bad, but what about A, B, and C? There's not, I mean, it didn't exist this week. Like, yes, I, I did love, and you you tell me, because you watched it today, I, I messaged you last night, I thought the tag team match on SmackDown was exceedingly good, and I thought the triple threat main event was exceedingly good as well. Yeah, I told you what I didn't love about the triple threat main event. The action was really good. The action was the match SmackDown. I'm talking about the match quality. Match quality was good, but my thing on that, as always, is... If if there if we're not going anywhere, if the story doesn't make sense, if it's just thrown together to grab ratings, then it's a house show main event for me. And again, that's not what I want on Monday and Tuesday. I actually want less wrestling. We have this debate all the time. I know you need more wrestling to please the fans because I've been there in the third row for Raw. And you want more wrestling when you're there. But when you're watching on TV, or at least for me, I want arguments, pushing, shoving, interviews, KO show, a moment of bliss, contract signings. I want that ish, the variety show of it, and I want it to point toward the pay-per-view. I want the pay-per-view matches to matter. Ah, long run. All right, but the best thing that you said this week in talking about what's wrong with the product, what Vince doesn't get, is the scripted BS. And you mentioned it, that the best gold coming out of WWE is the stuff that's a WWE.com exclusive that I don't usually chase, but every time you send me one, Good God, it it moves me. It hits me in the field spot. This Daniel Bryan one this week, after they won the tag titles, needs to be put into a vault. I don't get how Vince can't hear stuff like this, and he probably doesn't see it, just like he probably doesn't watch NXT or 205 Live anymore because he doesn't have a hand in them. I don't get how you don't see something like this and not realize instantly that my show could be 75% better if you let these guys be themselves. You guys remember that, that uh, Daniel Bryan interview from from the uh, Empire State Building that we played in the bonus show when he cut a promo on me, and it was just like off-the-cuff brilliance. Here's Daniel Bryan. 
Rowan, Daniel, first off, congratulations on your victory, but I would be remiss if I didn't ask about the leather around your shoulders right now. Is that a joke? Is that a joke? I think he's joking. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, there's lots of lots of joking around in the tag team division, apparently. Like, like it's a joke. Like, I'm not going to have these changed. Right? But speaking of jokes, and speaking of the tag team division, think of the Usos, right? What were they doing on Raw last night? Joking around. As if the tag team division is some sort of joke. And what about heavy machinery? Joking around. As if the tag team division is some sort of joke. And what about the New Day? Joking around like being the tag team champions is some sort of joke. You know, they talk about a women's evolution, about women main eventing WrestleMania. Do you know who's never talked about main eventing WrestleMania? It's the tag team division. And do you know why? Because for years, they've been led by jokers like the New Day, like the Usos, like heavy machinery. And they go out there and they do Thanksgiving turkey fights. And they'll do Halloween contests. Do you know what? We are not those kind of tag team champions. And speaking of which, you know what? There's going to be a tag team evolution. And this isn't going to be one dictated to us by the McMahons. No, this is going to be self-led. A self-led tag team evolution. Because Kofi Kingston, the New Day, they never aspired to that. They never aspired to that level. Neither did the Usos. They were content to just be great tag teams. We're not content to just be great. We are going to be the greatest tag team of all time. We are going to main event WrestleMania as tag team champions. And we are going to aspire higher. And nobody, nobody is going to stop the planet's tag Oh my god. It is It's May and no one is gonna beat him for being the best promo. I forgot what our award is called. The Bobby, the Brain Heenan, or Paul Heyman Award for best promo of the year. No one's gonna beat him. Okay, so All that, year. that's brilliant on seventeen different levels and the passion and even from the brilliance of talking about a tag team evolution. But, Adam, you could even take that promo as, like, a larger encapsulation of what's actually wrong with WWE that we just laid out for 45 minutes. And, look, it's not that there's not a place for comedy in pro wrestling. WWE's always been ahead of the curve on that. They have had some great stretches, and they have superstars today, like the New Day, who really know how to do comedy on air. But it can't all be a freaking joke. It's a fight at the end of the day. The reason why we don't have and can't have a Stone Cold Steve Austin 2019 is not because of 50-50 booking like I usually say. It's really because of scripted promos. Because did you hear the passion and the, the it's just brilliance. The brilliance that came out of it. You know what that promo sounded like? Did you watch WCW Saturday night back in the late 80s, early 90s? It may have been too early for your time, but 6.05 p.m. Eastern on, on Saturday night on TBS. They would put out a three-hour studio show and they'd have jobber matches in between to get over superstars. But the best part about it was that little desk off on the side of the ring with the backdrop that they brought in guys to do promos and interviews. And the horsemen would come out and they would cut a promo exactly like that on whoever they were going to be facing at the next big show. And sometimes Flair would cut himself open with his own rings to try, you know, or he'd come out drunk and it would just be passion 
friggin' passion. And then sometimes somebody would come from stage left and attack. That's wrestling, brothers. What Daniel Bryan just gave you, Adam, was wrestling in an era of sports entertainment and merch and titantrons and, and camera angles and people shaking the cameras during fights. There's Yeah, there's a place for comedy. There's a place for all that. But Daniel Bryan nailed what the core of this business is and why we care about it. And by the way, the promos on Raw that were straight into the camera, one was Seth Rollins, the other was AJ Styles, I think it was. Those are pretty good. Like, they, it was a step towards that. I'll give them credit. Like, it was pretty good. And the Kevin Owens one from his car on Tuesday night and the Ali promo. Oh, Ali was great. Also a step in the right direction. So this week in particular, the solo promos weren't the problem. But when you have a piece of gold like that, or like, I don't think, Brian, you cut it, but the Kevin Owens promo where he literally took the microphone from Kayla and walked over to the production truck where his face is next to Big E's face. And he cut a promo to Big E's face that was better than almost the entirety of Raw on Monday night. That one, this this online promo from Kevin Owens was better than the three-hour show that they put on USA Network. You can't tell me that you don't have the horses. And you can't tell me that you can't trust these guys to go out and, and women to go out into the ring and cut quality promos. You know what WWE used to do? They would give bullet points or maybe a couple notes, whatever. They say, go out and cut a promo. And you know what, BC? The ones who couldn't failed. And the ones who could became The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin and Mankind and The Undertaker and Shawn Michaels and Triple H. That's how you make stars. You give people opportunities to get themselves over. If you think about the people who have organically made themselves stars recently in WWE, it's been by pure happenstance. Becky, Kofi, uh, five years ago, Daniel Bryan, when he went on his run. AJ Styles, who Vince signed, like, because he was a big name, and like, let's throw him and have him in some good feuds. He's been one of their longest reigning champions over the last couple of years because he got that over with the fans himself. And you look at the guys that they try to force down your throat. Jinder Mahal, failure. Roman Reigns, he's over, but differently than they wish. Charlotte Flair, similar. Um, and you just, well, it's kind of, so frustrating. It kind of shows you that even Trips isn't perfect because while I love the Performance Center at NXT and the machine they're producing there, it's still a machine that appears to produce scripted stuff. Everybody's got to have the same or their their own unique entrance that they do the same time every way. Like that stuff, like, well, they so, always, did, even in the Attitude Era, they did that, but it was a little less overdone. obvious. It was less yeah, obvious. Yeah, now it's so obvious and overdone in. Man, I mean, look, you know what's fun is when guys can't cut promos and they go out there and they butcher it. Sometimes that's fun. And if you give a guy a chance and he butchers it, then you start to work with him and feed him lines. But the guys who can do it, especially guys who have done it in Ring of Honor or on other high levels in the indies before this, like a like an AJ Styles with TNA for years, it's like roll out the balls and let them be themselves. Damn it. And to, Damn it. Sorry. And to, I was going to say, and to be fair, it does kind of seem like they do give Daniel Bryan that you know, leverage. And and they do give the Usos when they were on SmackDown, at least the opportunity to go say their own words and Kevin Owens too, to some respect, but you can tell every single time they don't Andrade and Zelina Vega. That was scripted for them. Um, Roman it's scripted for Roman and you, it's so obvious that they just, it takes you out of the show. When you watch raw, the way that fans should be able to watch raw is to get on their couch, put their feet up, 
and let their mind just like escape their body, laugh at stupid stuff, jump out of your seat for cool action and get, you know, invested in these storylines they're giving you. Instead, what they're creating is a culture of fans who are looking at this product like that doesn't make any sense. Why am I watching this yeah. again? And that's what's going through your head every single week. That's their fault. And that's part not of the why fault. NJPW in 2017, when it got on my radar, it was not only stiff matches that felt closer to real fights than anything I've seen, but it was unscripted backstage swearing and being men because that's what men do. All right, Adam, speaking of men and a man, we got to get to this man right now. His name is Kevin Owens, KO. But before we throw to KO, hey, how about we hear a word from our friends and sponsors? And on the other side of this break, it's Kevin Owens coming at you. I already know it. You're going to love it. Enjoy. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Ready? Go. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Hang on! It's off the charts spectacular. Go, go, go! Tom Cruise has outdone himself. The world's coming after you. Stay out of my way. Prepare for one of the best action movies ever made. This is getting exciting. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Oh, yeah, get fired up. The face of SmackDown Live invades the State of Combat podcast on CBS Sports. You might as well call this the KO, the Kevin Owens show. Kevin Owens himself. You can catch him, of course, every Tuesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern on that USA Network. And you better believe he's got big plans coming Sunday, May 19th, when WWE Pay-Per-View finally comes back to Hartford for Money in the Bank when we get Kevin Owens, Kofi Kingston for that WWE Championship. KO, thanks so much for joining us. So happy to have you back in that lineup after recovering from injury. Can you give me a, uh, I don't know, a layman's terms thing? Something that day-to-day Kevin Owens in those five months got back to doing that you don't normally do? Did you garden? Is there anything you were able to do during this pause on your career that sort of, you know, I guess they call it cross-training, helped enlighten you, open your mind? Um, no, I mean, I, I it, this is no surprise to anybody who kind of knows me or has been following me over the last, uh, you know, decade, really. Uh, I just, I spend as much time as I can with my kids and my wife. We live in Orlando now, and uh, they love the theme park, so... I saw every theme park in Orlando so many times during those months off besides, you know, besides that and, and rehabbing and um, actually getting, getting the tattoos that I've been waiting to get for several years uh, done. I really didn't do much. I really just concentrated all the time on getting my knees better and uh, enjoying my family the way I can't, uh, you know, the way I don't have the opportunity to enjoy them on a, consistent basis you know when i when i'm on the road and i and i'm on the grind no uh, under, understood completely i want to talk about that fresh ink in a second but part of your comeback that were the was the uh the teases the vignettes that started and it i loved it because it was raw and real and it would seem like it was you unless those were trained and paid actors you and your real family 
How much fun was that for them to be a part of that as you sort of started to set the announcement that you were coming back? Yeah, you know, it was really great. My son's always happy to do stuff like that. And he, you know, he's been obviously, uh, he's kind of been growing up with the, within the WWE family. So, you know, it's great for him to actually end up being a, a bit of a, not a character because it wasn't a character. It was just him, but he, it was nice to have him on the show. Uh, you know, I, 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 I wish I could have gotten my daughter in one of them. She would have uh, probably would have stolen the show. So it's, maybe it's a good thing I didn't. And, uh, you know, my wife's a bit more private in that aspect. She doesn't, uh, you know, she was there, but she didn't want to be on camera. Just, uh, you know, so I respect her choice. And uh, it was just great to kind of show this little, I don't know, snippet of what our lives are like. Uh, but, you know, I, I've, I've always been pretty open, uh, you know, especially on, on social media. When I started this Twitter account, you know, I was on the independent scene and I had like 3,000 followers. And uh, I would just talk about my family because that's really what I'm, I mean, I don't know, man, I can't, I can't go, it seems like I can't go five sentences without talking about my family in some way. So that's, they're just part of who I am. They are who I am. So like, you know, the logical thing for me is on Twitter, I don't know what to do with Twitter. Oh, well, this is a cute picture of my son and this is a cool (laughs) thing I do with my wife and, you know. But then I came to WWE, and obviously that opened up a lot of people's attention to me. And, and, and you know, now I'm, I don't know, one point something million followers. But it, it's still the same thing, you know. Um, I'm more careful about putting stuff about my family out there because, unfortunately, with the attention comes a lot of, uh, how could I put this, absolute morons. Yeah. Uh, you know, that tend to just live to try to make – other people miserable because they're miserable, I guess. It's really must be the only explanation for it. But, uh, I mean, th- that's just who I am. And I've never, I've never tried to hide that because I wouldn't want to, they're the best part of me. So, uh, to get to have them be a, a part of the, uh, you know, the, the show, uh, you know, leading into my comeback w- was definitely cool. I love it. I love this baby face Kevin Owens right now. No, I hope no one's listening. This is fantastic stuff. All right. Kale, let's talk ink. I want to know first, what was that? What was the significance of that original tattoo on your right shoulder? And then tell me about what you've added. I mean, it, it looks, it, it really adds to your character. It seems like it's really a big part of your uh, personal life as well. Yeah, well, uh, so the bowl was, I'm a Taurus. It's actually my birthday today. And, yes. Uh, my Happy wife birthday. Always, yeah. Yeah, thank you. Uh, my wife always, uh, you know, ever since she met me, always said that the bowl really does represent me quite well. Uh, you know, apparently I'm a bit hard-headed and other things, uh, so she claims. So, uh, you know, when it was time to get a tattoo, I, uh, you know, besides, um, I, I want every tattoo I have to mean something to me. So I have my kids' names. I have my wife's name. I got the bull um, on there. And then, uh, you know, I always wanted to get more done. I just never really found the time. But now with this break, uh, I have plenty of time. So every... Every tattoo I have on my right arm is an animal that I really, uh, that I'm fascinated by. I, I love animals. I, I've made that, you know, well-known throughout the years as well. So I've got a, a condor. I've got a panda. I've got a gorilla. I have a snake. I have an alligator um, and the bull. So uh, I think that's it. I'm looking at my arm right now to make sure I'm not missing any. But, yeah, so they're just animals that I really uh, I really enjoy watching and observing and uh 
I wish I could own uh, every single one of them, which wouldn't be right because obviously they're better in the wild, but I just love them. So, yeah. Okay, well, let's talk, uh, Kofi, let's talk the build toward the WWE Championship. Let's talk WrestleMania because I feel like Kofi got in the way of a few people's potential real-life plans as it pertained to the to the to where things were going. I, I thought it was looking like KO Daniel Bryan WrestleMania for the WWE Championship. How hard was it to take a step back and allow Kofi Mania to run wild if I'm on the right track to what really happened? I don't think Kofi stepped in anybody's way, actually, uh, because that was clearly Kofi's match. Uh, if you just paid attention to what was going on in every arena and uh, every every SmackDown Live from, from the time he got into that gauntlet match before the Elimination Chamber to WrestleMania, to me it was always it was obvious from that point on that it was Kofi's match. So while uh, while it might might have uh, changed people's plans, I wouldn't say he got in anybody's way because he definitely uh, all he did was be himself and be Kofi Kingston, and that's what got him there because the fans decided that they were getting behind him uh, more than anybody else. Uh, the only problem is you know now he had his moment. Everybody wants a moment. I'm no different. He has kids, he has his wife, they had a great moment, wonderful. Now I want to have that moment. Uh, you know, I don't care about Kofi Kingston's family as much as I care about mine, which might be a terrible thing to say, but it's the truth. They're great people. I've met them. They're nice. They're awesome. But now I want the moment for my kids and my wife. So now, now Kofi Kingston's in the way. He wasn't before. Now he is. And, you know, I'm going to do my best to get him out of the way. Well, there's a a million different, not a million, a handful of different Kevin Owens that we have seen in WWE, NXT, and in your prior career elsewhere. Uh, Where does the prize fighter version rank among your favorites? Because it kind of feels like you're maybe headed a little bit more in that direction, if not completely in that direction. I don't know. I I feel like I've been, uh, you know, how could I put this? No human being is one thing. just like no, you know, no, no, no wrestling uh, character, whatever you want to call it, should be one thing. Um, I, uh, I, you know, I've always been a guy who loves to have titles, uh, but the problem is sometimes you're just not in line for the title matches. So I'm not going to talk about being a prize fighter when I'm just not in a situation or a position to fight for those titles, but. Uh, even when I was on the independent scene, I would always make a point of trying to get myself in a position where I'm, I'm, I'm wrestling for the title. So uh, that, you know, I lost the U.S. title in uh, 2017, and I haven't had a title since. That hasn't sat well with me. I don't want that to be the case. So I've always worked, tried to work towards making that different, but sometimes the cards just don't, you know, line up that way. Uh, but now they have, and uh, I'm going to remedy that situation uh, very soon, hopefully. Well, I think the prize fighter uh, look, gimmick, feel fits your personality as a wrestler completely well. In fact, not to dig up old wounds here, KO, but I go to you know WrestleMania, I go to these shows and see these marks with the T-shirts. There's still some I Broke Kevin's Nose T-shirts in circulation. Oh. So can we one day get some payback? Okay a receipt on C.J. Parker slash Juice Robinson for your NXT debut? I actually love C.J. Parker, Juice Robinson, and I wish that he would break your nose after hearing you <laughs> say people are marks. That's just the worst word ever. I uh, 
I'm just going to pretend you didn't say that. Um, but no, I mean, honestly, I can't, I kind of, I, and I've told him this before and I've tweeted about it too. I can't thank him enough for breaking my nose that night uh, because it made, it made what otherwise would have been a fine match into a memorable moment, uh, you know, that I still look back on very fondly. And I would have looked back on that moment fondly because I'm so, uh, you know, from the moment I met uh, Joey or Juice, I, 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 um, I was drawn to him as a person and as a performer. And so it was great to share that moment with him, my first match in WWE and in NXT. But him doing that, obviously, uh, you know, stuff happens in there. It's it's not ballet. We've said that a million times. We've heard that a million times. But it made for uh, it made it made everything even more special. So uh, you know, hopefully, I get to return the favor one day uh, and and break his nose. <laughs> That's called a receipt, Ko. I didn't have to tell you that though. Come on, I'm a mark here. I'm forty You're giving years him old. Lessons in, in terminology. I think, I think it's only I, I I think it's only a receipt if you do it with uh, uh, malicious intent. I would want to do that for him to create a special moment for him the way he created a special <laughs> moment for me. So it comes from a good place, which I don't think uh, can be, can, can, you know, I, I don't think you can say that's a receipt, but Hey, semantics. So we, we talking about a little bit, the ever evolving Kevin Owens, and you've added the stunner to your arsenal. You've used it before. And I seem to recall, and please correct me if I'm wrong, that uh, Steve Austin went ahead and, and gave you some pointers on that move, it seems you've taken them to heart because it's a much improved maneuver from your standpoint. So, uh, you know, what what did he tell you, if, if you want to tell the rest of the audience, that really hit home? And how have you used it to really perfect this new finisher or uh, signature move that you have here? Well, uh, you know, when I first asked him a couple of years ago if I could use it, he was gracious enough to say yes. Uh, you know, not that he owns it, but obviously the Stone Cold Stunner is the Stone Cold Stunner for a reason because he made it. Uh, he made it into this legendary uh, wrestling move. Um, and I wouldn't have done it without his, uh, you know, his approval. So um, I was, I was, you know, I just wanted to bring some justice to it uh, by doing it right. And I, I guess I should have asked him for advice right then and there when I first asked him if I could use it, but I didn't. Once he said I could use it, I was just so excited. started mm-hmm. trying to use it immediately and uh, it wasn't working. But I think what happened is I, I, I underestimated the importance of the kick to the stomach first. See, I was trying to do it without the kick. And uh, it turns out it's, a, it's, it's, a very, it's almost the Stone Cold Stunner is almost a sequence. It's not just a move. It's kick, stunner. It's, it's, a, it's a, a synergy. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a sequence of movements that needs to happen in order for it to be effective. And I, I, I learned that after I did this podcast um, you know, uh, I, I hit the stunner on Roman Reigns and it didn't work. Very close, though. It came very close, but it didn't work. And then Steve had me on his podcast to explain the, uh, you know, the details and, and, and the intricacy of, of, of the move and the sequence. And then, uh, you know, after that, I didn't really – I tried and I still couldn't perfect it. But eventually, whatever, I, I hit on the right – like something I did just – hit right and since then I've, I, I've been very fortunate it's been working very well for me so uh hopefully it keeps on uh, keeps on working okay uh, we're talking about the uh the versatility within you as a performer and look you do the comedy great the stuff with the new day the the big o was fantastic the stuff with jericho was legendary but my favorite ko 
is sociopath, psychotic, no care for people or their family KO. And the one maneuver that tells me that you're in that mode is the power bomb on the damn apron. I've got to assume, KO, that some moves hurt a whole hell of a lot more than others. I don't see how you can take a soft bump on this move. It looks like you love delivering it. Tell me about this. Yeah, I mean, I'm never, I never do it with the intent of the person landing softly and uh, having a good night's rest after. You know, I'm always trying to put per- the, whoever it is through the apron. Uh, what I'm trying to do is break. I'm not even thinking of the person's back. I'm trying to break the ring. And I've yet to succeed in that attempt. But I figured the more I do it, the more the closer I'll get to eventually making it happen. You know, like my in my head, I think it'd be great if one day I hit, you know, this apron powerbomb on somebody and the ring just implodes. Like when, you know, Big Show uh, takes a superplex, uh, you know, I think that would be uh, I think that'd be pretty great. So. I'm going to keep working on Yeah, now I'm going to get my nose broken for calling myself a mark, and now Adam's going to get uh, powerbombed on the oh, no, uh, you can call, Hey, you can call yourself a mark all you want. Just don't call other people marks because they right. didn't do anything to you, and I find that term offensive, and I'm sure a lot of people do. So you could call yourself whatever you want. You call yourself Mark, David, Jeff, whatever, but just don't call <laughs> other people that. Uh, what is there any influences within the, the, the crazy KO character, any uh, movie characters prior wrestlers that helped you sort of develop the look, the feel, the sound. Yeah. Uh, well, so there's a lot of people that I've, I've, I've been influenced by, you know, guys I watched growing up, like Shawn Michaels is the reason I wanted to become a wrestler. When I was 11 years old, I saw him wrestle and I was like, that guy is incredible. I want to be that. Cause at the time I was pretty small for my age. And at the time, Shawn was the smallest guy on the show, but he was by far the best. So he influenced me in a way, even though you probably don't see that in my, you know, in anything I do. Sean was a huge influence. Steve Carino, I saw him in ECW and I was so drawn to him as a, just as a personality. And then his matches, I just, everything connected with me. And then Steve Austin, obviously, you know, uh, man, like beyond the fact that I watched him growing up and I thought he was incredible and my favorite wrestler I met him at an airport when I was already a wrestler and he gave me the greatest piece of advice that anyone's ever given me. Uh, so he influenced me in that way. And then, you know, after that, Dusty Rhodes, uh, who I met at the performance center was so influential in, in how like to, to shape my mind into how the WWE, you know, like how to perform in WWE. And, and then Terry Taylor was, was great during the time I spent there. William Regal, Triple H is obviously somebody who I'm constantly uh, badgering for advice. Uh, but then there's one guy who I don't credit enough, uh, and probably because a lot of people might not know who he is, uh, especially if, you know, they've only been WWE fans, but there's this guy called super dragon who, uh, I wrestled on the independence and became great friends with. Um, I would say he probably had more of an impact and influence on me than anybody else. Because I started wrestling him in 2004, and I wrestled him for many years, and I I, uh, I watched him wrestle. I worked for his his wrestling promotion. Um, his his attitude, his aura, his uh, just his view on, on what we do as well. Like he really, and it almost didn't hit me until recently just how much he influenced me. 
Um, so yeah, all those guys played a big part in it. But if I had to pick one more than any other, it would have to be Super Dragon. All right, in closing here, Ko, quickly, you can't drop on us the tease of the greatest piece of advice of all time without sharing it with us. Can this help me live my oh, life better? I mean, I've, I've, I've said, yeah, I've talked about this in many interviews before. I, he, uh, so I met him at an airport. Uh, Sammy and I were on our way to a, a, a show in California, and we we're connecting, um, I think, in Dallas. And uh, right over, like, as we were getting ready to board, I walked to a water fountain and saw Steve Austin just standing there. This was back in 2005. And um, I, you know, he was kind of off on the side. So obviously he was trying to get a bit of a, you know, just to be a, a, a little of a, I don't know, just be a look by himself. You know, he didn't want to attract too much attention. Of course I lost my shit, but I trying to get, like I kept it in. I inside, I was going insane. I went back and I told Sammy, do we got to go? And I didn't want to alert anybody, you know? So I was kind of whispering or gesturing, like, come on, we got to come on, come with me. And he was like, what, what? And then as we were walking towards Steve, uh, Sammy's going like, what, who, who are we going to fight? What? He thought I was calling him over because I was getting into a fight with somebody and I needed backup. But then I said, no, look, idiot. It's Steve Austin. We're going to go talk to him. He's like, that's not Steve. Oh, it is. So we went up to him and, uh, he was great. We introduced ourselves as independent wrestlers and we talked about the business a little bit. And then, uh, first class, got called like the first class passengers and of course mr big shot steve austin was in first class while we were stuck in the back there uh but he like right as he before he walked on the plane we just said hey one piece of advice anything the best piece of advice you have and he looked at sammy and said uh actually he looked at me and said just keep running your mouth never stop running your mouth and then he looked at sammy and said that plancha shit will kill you <laughs> so basically he told me to run my mouth he told me to run my mouth a lot, and he told Sammy to stop doing crazy dives. Uh, I took his advice to heart. Sammy did not. Uh, but, uh, you know, it ended up working out fine. And um, I was already conscious of that fact that I should be vocal, and I was already trying to make it, you know, part of who I was at the time. But once Steve Austin told me that, I went in overdrive and uh, just – haven't shut up since, as you can no. as you can tell. Here. It's great, okay, great advice, great storytelling right there. Love it. You can check out Kevin Owens, KO the face of SmackDown every Tuesday, 8 p.m. Eastern, and get fired up for Money in the Bank Sunday, May nineteenth, WWE Network, 7 p.m. Eastern. KO Kofi the Big Belt, Kevin Owens. Thank you, brother. Great talking with you. Thanks, guys. Take it easy. All right, KO special. Thanks again, Adam. The, guy, the guy's fantastic. In in uh, fourth wall removal, we had a recording issue that cut off about a uh, two minute opener where he kind of uh, called me out for being over enthusiastic too. He was fantastic. Yeah, not my uh, not my personal highlight from interviews. I, I was off in that one in particular. It's my fault. Um, but Kevin was great, and you were great, obviously. Um, I I like him as an interview subject because he doesn't want to fully break kayfabe but at the same time he gives you enough where it satisfies you you know what i mean yes and he did that and you can tell he's a genuine good dude who like just loves professional wrestling you talk about all these guys who are like annoyed by wwe and a little bit disenfranchised and blah blah, blah. he loves it there and and you can tell in the interviews uh and and probably for good reason because like i said before the interview they do give guys like him free reign and there's very few of them but ko when he goes out to the ring 
everything he does is believable. There's never me questioning like, oh, does that make sense with Kevin Owens' character? It always does. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, you hear the family man side of him. You hear that like doesn't have much of a life or interest. He loves wrestling. He loves his family. And I can right. really, really respect that. And I just respect the journey he got to. And we all know when he was signed with NXT, he was told he'll never be a main event guy, never be a main roster guy. You know, he's just this fat meatball from the Indies wearing shorts. And look at where he's come. And now, really, I mean, who are the best heels in WWE that can carry a main event storyline and carry a Raw or SmackDown on the mic? I mean, he's in that rare group right now. Kevin Owens and Daniel Bryan. That's the list. Yeah, I mean, really, you know, it's he's fantastic. He's amazing. Love hearing him. Love that. Uh, before we get to our AEW portion of the show, I do have a couple of topics based on some DMs that people send in that I wanted to get to, Adam. All right. So real sure. Quick, I also I also have a, a big overarching topic I want to bring up with you, but let's hit those DMs for right. sure. Real quick DM right here from a from a guy. Have you ever heard of Nizer at J Nizer seventeen? Me? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. All right. Here's a sexist inappropriate comment. He says, "I don't know what happened <laughs> to Dana Brooke, but after seeing her this week." So, Jay Nizer 17, this show, we're not about that. We're not about looking no. at women's bodies and judging them. We're not about uh, sexism or, you know, it's a, this show is not, you know, the state of combat is not a sexist show, has not, will not, will ever be, and that's the bottom line. But to your question, you're right. <laughs> Dana looks different every week. That's the only thing I'm going to say. Yeah, sure. I don't. I don't know what it is. Shout it's out just, to Dana. Yeah, right there. It's, it's strange. All right. Um, I want to get another? into uh, Kofi Kingston. Was that part of your overarching thing? I got some Kofi Kingston stuff topics to talk. Uh, about. no. But go ahead. All right. Let's let me hit you up with this. All right. Do you remember? I think it was last week or the week before we had a talk, and I was just you know you asked me the question about Jr. and superstar Billy Graham saying they just don't think Kofi has it. And I said, I agree. I think if you're going to push somebody in the in the new day, it should be Xavier Woods, who I think is a better wrestler and talker, or Big E. I think we're, I think Big E is the would be the one who we were all waiting and I'm saying it's not a race thing I just you know I'm glad Kofi had the moment I just don't think he's the guy and I've said that on this show since 2017 when you told me you were a Kofi super fan well people were into that debate and do you remember that promo that I always bring up that's just cringeworthy I really can't wait to show the man how it's really done and you're like ah you're just like oh my (laughs) god I had that moment this week to close Smackdown tell me if I'm wrong with Kofi Kevin Owens is not in my head. All I have to say is this. At Money in the Bank, there is going to be hell to pay for Kevin Owens. And that sucks. No. That just, it, it, that's just not good. It's no, not... they came over. So the show was, the show ended and they had an extra 30 seconds that to fill. They had to fill because now they end sharp, you know, at 10 o'clock on Tuesdays and 11 o'clock on Wednesdays. And they brought an interviewer over. And they're like, yo, you say something. I'm and just even saying that that personified to me what I felt, and I'm going to play you two. Oh, no. Did you hear what about what about his promo on Raw? That was okay. Uh, maybe look, it maybe good. it's me. Let's hear from both sides of the tale here, real quick. Alex S. Stevens, Alex F. Stevens on Twitter came in, huge fan of the show. You and Silverstein are fantastic. Would love to do a spot with you guys sometime, Adam. What does that mean? I don't know, but I'll put him through a table. Does he want to? Yeah. Does he want to bump? Does he want to join our show? Does he want to steal our organs? Does he want to? Make out with you? I don't know where he's going with there. And look, it's 2019. You want to make out with Adam? That's perfectly fine. But he says, I 100% agree with you about Kofi. Great feel-good moment at Mania. But get this, Adam. He doesn't have it. Did you see how they are still calling him the new WWE champ? It's been almost a month. His promos are not good. And he is very one-dimensional. Won't work long-term. They got to put the belt on KO. He's the total package. Keep up the great work. Have a great rest of your week. I read that. I go, 
you're feeling what I'm feeling. But there's another side of the universe. And I want to ask you, you're taking a second, but let's hear from this man. At J apostrophe N-O-A-I. How do you think you pronounce that? J-Noy? J-Noy? Yeah. At J-N-I-1973. He says, sorry, brother, but you sound like J-R and superstar Billy Graham. Kofi is over as hell. How does Daniel Bryan and CM Punk not get the same thing said about them from you as you said about Kofi? Your problem with Kofi is race, dude. Kofi is oh, a come on. Kofi That's is true. a way better wrestler than Woods and Big E. He needs to hold the belt until SummerSlam. All right, Jay Noya, um, thank you for jumping in. We appreciate you on the show. Do we have a, Do we have like an inje- Do you have like a sound effect that's like an ejection button or anything like uh, that? No, no. I wish I did. I do have a disclaimer though. There is no racism here in the World Wrestling Federation. We don't allow it. We'll allow it. Under any circumstances. And that's the same with the state of combat. Um, look, obviously this is not about race, and I nailed that. He's not a better wrestler than Woods and Biggie. If you think he is, if you're a Kofi guy, that's fine. But guess what? The difference between him and Daniel Bryan and CM Punk? He's not this, this is not charismatic. He's not the same on the microphone. He's a nice guy. He's a smiley guy. There are certain promos that work with him. He's not a WWE champion for a long period of time that can carry that. It's And you see, and it's getting... Glaringly obvious, the less the other New Day guys are around him to carry well, him. I, so I don't think you're being so. You're you're like so half right and half wrong there. So I agree, you cannot compare him to CM Punk and Daniel Bryan. Those guys are clearly superior sports entertainers. From and and it's the promo work and it's the ability to carry segments. Whereas Kofi is more of a B side. He's a B side against Kevin Owens, and he was the B side against Daniel Bryan. And elevating Kofi Kingston to the WWE Championship in 2019 was necessary because of how the storyline progressed, um, the way fans reacted to him, and the fact that, as the other DMer said, he's totally damn over right now, and when someone is that over, you have to give the payoff. But no, you're all, but here's where you're right, BC. Kofi's not a longtime WWE Champion, and if you asked me five or six years ago, should he actually be the WWE Champion? I may not have said yes, but I would have said he deserves those opportunities. He deserves the opportunity to be in the main event and get featured on a, such a high level along with other talent that is at that similar or same level. You give him a WWE championship match, he loses. Then he wins the Intercontinental title and holds it for six months. That's what you do with someone like Kofi Kingston. That's how you utilize characters. Not everyone is meant to be WWE champion. In this case, when he won the title at WrestleMania, we talked about it either on that show or the next week. How long is he going to hold the title? If he loses to Owens, I'm going to be totally fine with it. He's not a long-term WWE champion, but you also can't dismiss the fact that he's like the most over guy in the company right now. And when you have the most over guy in the company, more so than Seth Rollins, by the way, you give him the opportunity with the title for a little bit. Um, No, he's not the best promo of the New Day. Yes, I think he's just as good, if not better, in ring as the other two. Which is so great. What, are, what are we arguing here? We're arguing like little semantics and, and, and we're splitting hairs almost is what I'm trying to say. The, I think Big E would be the best WWE champion of those three if, if we wanted to couch it that way. Does yeah. that make sense? That's fine. That's why maybe I'm just not a Kofi guy. It doesn't mean I'm a I'm a racist. Yeah, I think, I, <laughs> look, put the belt on Big E tomorrow, guys. Xavier Woods is one of the most underrated guys in the company. If he went singles and solo, I think he could really be something. By the way, his his video game show is actually really good. It's really good. Because yeah. it's I can't an watch interview it show. I don't like video games. But yeah, it's, it's really an interview show while they're playing video games. That's the core of it. And and yeah. I know there's some episodes that are very video game heavy, but there's some that are just basic. 
hey, we're going to play Street Fighter together, and I'm going to ask you about your life. And it's really fun and off-kill and, and unscripted and good. So shout out It's to really you. good. The topic I wanted to bring up was this, and I, I really got to thinking about it after the promo, the Daniel Bryan promo. So I know there's arguments for Kenny Omega, right? And I know there's arguments for Okada and Naito, um, AJ Styles maybe, Seth Rollins, depending who you are. If you're Adam Silverstein, it's Seth Rollins. Yes, keep going. But do you think – think about what it takes to be a professional wrestler and a sports entertainer, right? Is there anyone doing it better than Daniel Bryan? Because he is a far better promo. You may like Omega as a promo. He's far better. He isn't even – Okada and those others aren't even – Close, and I'm not even talking English. I'm talking even in Japanese with the subtitles. They're not even close. He's has the capability in the ring to be as good as those guys. Not as good. They, let's be honest. Daniel Bryan's really good wrestler. He's not. You can't say he's has the capability to be fine. As he good. to put on matches with a high quality, comparable in some ways to those guys. So if you have him nearly as good in the ring, but significantly better on the mic, is there anyone in the world right now? who's legitimately a better top-to-bottom, all-encompassing wrestler than Daniel Bryan. I like the spirit of your take a lot. Obviously, since he turned heel, he's doing freaking amazing work. And, and we were tiring on him in his babyface comeback, saying, you know what? He had no in-ring chemistry with The Miz, whether that was his fault or The Miz's. And you know what? Maybe it, it, it sounded like a better idea that we wished he would come back than it actually was. Well, it turns out it was because he's amazing. And by the way, he's got really good merch. These heel t-shirts that he has are fantastic. I don't even know if anyone knows they're around because he refuses to wear them to the ring to put them over. But there are really good t-shirts out there for $27. Wait, guys, wait till they get down to four bucks and I'll buy them with you. Um, I don't I don't perfectly love what you said because I don't think he's light years above Kenny Omega. Look, maybe I'm I'm an Omega mark. I love Kenny's promos. He's not great. He's not A++++, but he's better than AJ Styles, and he's I, I like what he's doing. I don't think Daniel's light years away, but if Daniel was allowed to consistently do the kind of stuff he does on WWE.com exclusives, I think your argument could go through the roof. Like, he, he actually could become a crossover superstar where we would have to say, you know what, all things considered, yeah, he might be the best performer, sports entertainer, wrestler in the world right now. I just do think there is a ceiling to how good his wrestling is. He just put on a really good match with Kofi, but I don't think he's capable of doing the kind of extreme next level five and a half, six, seven star matches that that very small core group can do that maybe a guy like Seth could do with the right dance partner. I do believe that he could if he got out of the idea of like doing the WWE scripted, I'm going to do this move and this move and this move style. But um. Daniel Bryan's but not great. every, but not every, like you don't have to judge everyone the same way. Almost no, like no, not no. everyone can be Omega. You know what I mean? Right. Like, it's a different package. It balances out. And his package right now, wow, that was weird. Um, is <sighs> is really big. The man's got a big package. You're right, Adam. If that's where you're going with this, um, if you want to make a case right now, a hipster take. In fact, Adam, I accept this take from you. And I know you're not saying to me right now that Daniel Bryan's the best wrestler in the world. You're saying, is it okay for us to have this conversation? But even if you said on this show today, Daniel Bryan might be the best wrestler in the world today at this moment. And by the way, Kenny Omega not really doing much right now at this moment. I would agree with that a lot more than when you emotionally said Seth Rollins was the best wrestler in the world in the midst of Kenny Omega changing our lives. Thank you. Rant over. Yeah, I mean, Rollins for that period... I did exaggerate that, but Rollins for that period was awesome. I mean, he was kicking ass. It was, was really crazy. He was doing um, But I, yeah, I'm not going so far as to claim Daniel Bryan as that, but I'm close. Like, it got me thinking this week. And if it continues for another month or two, 
Like, I don't care what AEW does or what Kenny does. He can be, he's great in the ring, but he doesn't go out and run storylines with his promo ability. Yeah. And no one does really the way Daniel Bryan is able to. And we've seen like, I'm telling you, there's a no doubter right now that he's promo of the year and we can pick whichever one we think wins it, but it's Daniel Bryan. Cause we've had like seven of them already. Right. To me, he's our wrestler of the year right now for 2019. I mean, on our show when he was like, I'm going to beat Kofi Kingston in six seconds, four seconds. Th- what's the minimum? Three seconds. Like that was brilliant <laughs> stuff. I mean, I love it, man. Damn. Is he, is he, it's, it's May 8th, 2019, five months and eight days into the year. Or we're four full four full months and eight days into the year. Is he the wrestler of the year right now for 2019? Well, that's a great question. Yes. Yes, he is, Adam. Yes, he is, because he was a significant part of making that Kofi moment great. Because yep. here's the deal with the Kofi moment. I think I, he was the A side. He's the A side. He was, was the A side in that, and I think I scored that what, like a four and a half star match or whatever, like an yeah, a, it an was. a match. It was really, really good. And he was a He's a big part of it. He had, you know, he was the equal dance partner to make that match really good and to put over Kofi on the build toward it by being negative against. Yeah, Dan O'Brien right now is your MVP of 2019. And, and Becky's point. been great, but the storylines were rough. That's WWE's fault. And she didn't hit and, home run. And, and in ring, she doesn't compare to him. Yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. All right, let's talk about somebody, Adam, who in the ring dazzles us and is fantastic and is on the way up. And you're going to see him double or nothing style. By the way, they, they got to announce an AWE cha- AEW championship. It's about time, Adam. Yeah, they will. They Can will. we? And if you're going to announce and put it on Hangman versus Pac Neville here on May 25th. We got Hangman Page on the show this week. So I don't know if you're ready for a revolution. I'm all in. Are you all in, Brian? Oh, come on. Oh, come on, Randy. Oh, my God. Do you, what do you, do you think she was talking about wrestling? Like, seriously, like full on honesty. Do you think she was talking about wrestling? I do. Oh, God. I wonder. I so I, you know, I go to I go to bed wondering about Eden. Have Eden's you been styles. watching? Like, have you been watching Being the Elite and all the shows? I've been on the. Uh, I haven't been home in about uh, tw- ten days because of the uh, different West Coast variety things, Canelo, all that. So no, I have not. I have not. I'm not in my regular rhythm and comfortability and okay. schedule. I this is the leader. Th- this is your leader of the revolution, people. Not watching the product. Um, yeah, at the moment, yeah, because the product's not here. The product is not here. All right, hey Adam Hangman Page, coming at you right now. <laughs> Enjoy. We are closing in on Double or Nothing, May 25th, Las Vegas, the launch of AEW, a man who will be in the middle of that, Adam Hangman Page. Hey, bro, you ready for a revolution or what? Oh, man, I mean, I'm very excited. It's been building for a long time, and I'm, I'm, I'm ready to, you know, get out of my house and get back on the road. So, yeah. <laughs> Is it true what they say about life on the road, that the whole time you're on the road, you can't wait to get home, and then the second you get home, you can't wait to pack that bag again? Yeah, you know, I think that's right. I mean, I think that's kind of the way of anything, honestly. Um, but, you know, we spent the past, uh, you know, two or three years were just really, really tough in, in terms of, like, uh, you know, travel and, and stuff. Um and then this year has just been a, a complete shock to my whole system. Uh, so, I, you know, I honestly, I will be ready to kind of get things rolling again. Excellent. It's not just double or nothing. Launch of AEW, StarCast 2 will be a big part of that weekend in Las Vegas. Of course, fans can go to StarCastOnFight.com. That's F-I-T-E, two R's in StarCast as well to check out the Double or Nothing weigh-in, the presser, get a four-day pass to get all of the action. I think Ric Flair's getting roasted as well. A lot of great stuff coming up. But talk to me as a performer here, Adam. Double or Nothing, we all know 
what all or nothing, what, what all in, excuse me, did kind of change the game in many ways. How much pressure is on you guys to follow that up? <laughs> uh, well, you know, the biggest pressure is already done. Uh, so all in, you know, the goal was to, to fill a 10,000 seat arena and we, we did it and surpassed it. So for double or nothing, the goal was to double that at 20,000. Um, and I think we were just shy, but we're rounding up. Uh, we're just going to call it 20 uh, because it's double or nothing. So the, the hardest part is, uh, is over. The people will be there. Tickets are sold. It's done. Um, the, the rest from here on out is just fun. You know, this is what we do this for. The, the pressure is in making sure the people are there. Once they're there, we're good to go. Now, you're, you're a major player in what AEW is trying to do, a guy who is not only in his young prime, but you, you really haven't even burst yet in terms to what you're fully capable of. So when you and Cody and the Bucks and Jericho and all those guys sort of put your heads together to say, what do we want AEW to feel like? What do we want it to look like? What do we want to take that's wrong with the wrestling business right now that the fans don't like and maybe invert that or double down on that. How much fun is this process? Because we're like biting our nails as fans and critics waiting to see what this thing looks like. Well, you know, I think, um, you know, having a job of a wrestler, uh, you know, part of that is always just sitting, sitting back in a locker room, bullshitting, talking about, you know, Hey, this is like, I, I don't think this works. I would do this different. Oh, you know, what if we did this? Haha, this would be funny, whatever. Uh, and that's just part of, you know, being a performer. But at some point, um, you start to do a little more. You start to think about more than just yourself and, and your situation. You start to think about, all oh, the other guys. Or, hey, this guy could use some help. I wonder if this thing could work for him or, or whatever it might be. Um, and, you know, that eventually blossomed. Uh, I mean, that, that really was what drove um, – being the elite on YouTube being a huge success and then that drove uh, all in and then that has driven us to this point. Um, so it has been a, a very good ride and it's, it's fun. It's just what we do. It's what we've, you know, it's, it's all we care about. Do you think there's a way to describe the, the formula, the secret sauce of what AEW might look like? Is it like, well, we got the strong style from what we were doing in Japan. We got the tongue in cheek stuff from the being the elite. Is that sort of accurate? I mean, what, what type of picture are you guys trying to paint in terms of, of, of the opportunity you have right now to make a giant splash in the wrestling field? Well, you know, um, I, I apparently, uh, when they were handing out the executive vice president titles, I wasn't there for that meeting. So I, <laughs> I did not get one of those. Uh, I I am a wrestler. I am talent. Uh, I'm 27, so obviously my, my focus is, is still very much on my in-ring career because um, I still do have a long ways to go uh, in terms of success there. So, you know, those kind of things, I, I have my ideas for what I like and what I dislike, and as I always have, and I'll always fight for what I think is right in wrestling. Um, but it's, it's honestly not up to me. Uh, it's up to those executive vice presidents to, to, you know, those people that are in charge of that kind of thing. Um, I, I am looking forward to some budding heads. I'm looking forward to uh, all kinds of different ideas. And, you know, I think about all in uh, Cody had his um, NWA title match and, and won the, the NWA world title. Um, big emotional moment, you know, for, for him, for the crowd. Uh, which was immediately followed by me and Joey Janela and, and then Joey Ryan and, uh, you know, being accompanied by a group of inflatable penises. Um, 
So I, I think that the ideas that we have, they run the board, they run the gamut. They're, honestly, I hope there's a little bit of everything. Uh, hey, if there's blade jobs, I'd be down for it, all right? Red still equals green. I know you know that, Paige. All right. <laughs> Next question, please. All right. Hey, when do you think was, was if there's one turning point for you, and I, from this standpoint, a couple years ago we knew you as sort of the new guy in the being the elite crew, and, and, you know, maybe a year and a half, a year, you just launched into, like, this guy might be the next big thing, not just out of this group, not just out of Japan or Ring of Honor, but, like, for all of wrestling, as you sort of, like you mentioned, 27 years old, come into your own. Was there one match or one moment you think that you sort of made a giant leap? Uh, no, not really, honestly. <laughs> uh, you know, I like to think I've always been good. You know, I mean, you don't really have much business in wrestling if you don't think you think you're good. Um, but I, I think that, you know, the YouTube show, among other things, kind of helped get more eyeballs on me, helped uh, give me higher profile matches, you know, things like that, that then in turn helped me improve a little more, whatever. Um, so, no, I don't think there's, there's one thing, you know, nobody just has that one thing, one moment, you know, that kicks them off. It's just a collection of a lot of smaller things, honestly. But, guys, your size aren't supposed to be moonsaulting off the top rope. There's something special that you're doing out there. Well, yeah, you know, um, I mean, I'm 6'5", uh, 265 from Texas. So, yeah, guys my size aren't supposed to move the way I do. Um, but, you know, screw them. I, I will. <laughs> when you hear the people try to describe you to others that, that aren't woke and they're like, well, you know, kind of a modern-day bruiser Brody. What do you think when you hear that? Um, you know, those comparisons, they're, they're cool um, for, for things like that um, because, you know, these are a lot of times the people you, you watch growing up and things like that, but at the same time, they're a little off-putting. Um, I certainly don't want to be looked at as, you know, oh, a second version of someone else. Uh, I like to think that I am my own man and, and can leave my own legacy. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's, I don't know, it's a mixture of both, I guess. Now, I try not to play in the dirt sheets, uh, Hangman, because you can get dirty and it's gross. And I don't, I'll be honest with you, I don't really believe in the dirt sheets as a thing. I think sometimes it's like, if I'm a Star Wars fan, I don't want to know how the movie's going to end before it happens. But sometimes you can't avoid them. When I read in these dirt sheets that WWE backed up the truck to try to get your services. Is there truth in this? Um. Yeah, you know, I, I, that was an option for me at one point. Um, it was something I, I, I guess I very seriously considered. Um, but, you know, it just it didn't feel right for me at that time, you know. Um, and, and I really I, I really couldn't say enough about how pleasant everyone was to deal with in any kind of talks and negotiations. It was uh, very professional, very well. Um, and honestly, they, they, were, they were not at the bottom of the list either. They were... Um, they were more after me than most, uh, I would say. Um, they put a lot more effort and in, in time into talking to me than some others did. Um, so it was a real consideration. But, you know, I guess, it, I guess when I was a kid, you know, that was what you wanted to do. You wanted to grow up and you wanted to go to the WWE because it's the biggest thing ever. Um, but, you know, that doesn't really feel like – didn't feel like a goal for me anymore. It's not something I'm necessarily – you know, interested in because of what it is, you know, just by name alone. Um, and when it came down to it, it just, uh, 
man, doing this other thing uh, seems so much more rewarding and fulfilling. All right, so this other thing, we see the, the catchphrases, the hashtags, the, the, the T-shirts, the change the world, the revolution, all that stuff. And I'm going to be honest with you, I believe in that. I believe it's, it's time. It's time for someone else to, to catch wrestling up to where it should be in 2019 and change the game. How much of that, from a creative, artistic standpoint, fueled your decision to go in this direction? Um, I would say about 95%. Uh, um, that was, I mean, you know, at some point, uh, when people are throwing money at you, um, at some point they're just numbers, uh, at some point you decide, oh, I'll, you know, I'll be all right, whatever. Um, but, you know, knowing that I could be fulfilled creatively, um, knowing that, you know, I, I would have a, a big place at the table, um, and knowing that, you know, I could contribute to, you know, bettering wrestling, uh, furthering wrestling, you know, creating another option for uh, my all, all my friends I've met along the way in, in wrestling. Um, that was ultimately kind of the biggest thing I could get out of all of this, I guess. That was more rewarding than anything else could have been. Yeah, it looks like you guys are having a crap load of fun doing it. I want to talk to you quickly about this appearance in the G1 Climax 2018 with NJPW last year. I think annually this is the best wrestling event going i mean it's there's so much endurance you have to have hangman as a fan to stay with this tournament that i could only imagine what the heck it's like for a performer how do you describe what those what that month and a half or whatever it is is like oh man that's uh that's a tough one and you know i'd agree with you um i i feel that i mean and you know i don't want to say like you know that this that g1 has something over on all elite wrestling because all elite wrestling hasn't had a show yet so there's really not much i can compare to there um but i would say in in wrestling right now that that tournament that series is kind of uh the most grueling the most trying um and honestly for me kind of the most prestigious uh thing in wrestling right now um it is it, it, it's tough uh it was a long month and a half uh and i know you know fans who watched it i know that's tough doing that uh but just Imagine that, and as soon as you're done, uh, you go hop on a train, hop on a plane, hop on a whatever. There's rarely a day off. I, you know, thinking back, I don't think there was more than one or two days off that we weren't at least having like an eight or nine hour train ride or something. Wow. Um, so even those aren't really days off. Uh, it was grueling, but I, I enjoyed it. You know, it's kind of you get away from everything else in your life, and you you've got a month, a month and a half to just focus on wrestling, and it was. I mean, the hook for fans, you know, for fans like me and the reason why I would put in that time to watch every day is, good Lord, every match you guys are doing, it feels like you're wrestling main event at a pay-per-view. I mean, it feels like the effort put in is, you know, where where you can watch a card in any other promotion. In the second or third, fourth match on the card, they're not trying to go five stars. They're not trying to steal the thunder in the G1. Everyone, whether you're doing comedy, you're doing strong style, you're doing whatever, you're trying to win the night in that one match. And I give you guys credit. And look, that A block last year when you went uh, almost 18 minutes with Okada, that was like, uh, that was primetime stuff. That was, for me as the fan, that was my, oh my God, Adam Page is, is, he's ready for this. He's ready to carry a title for this company. You know, and and I feel like a a lot of, you know, some of that I think is because people come in come in with the mindset that okay, this is the G one, I have to step it up. But honestly, I think it's more their selection of the the guys uh, who participate. 
honestly, because if you think about those performers, you know, that, that group um, that does the G1, those are top-level guys. Um, so they're the kind who, no matter what, are going to put in their time and their effort and try to pull on a performance of a lifetime every time. Um, so really, I think that's kind of what it boils down to more than anything. We're going to see you at Double or Nothing against Pac. Of course, everybody knew him in WWE as Neville. I'm so damn fired up for this, but is the full ring gear going to be ready, Paige? Uh, man, I don't know. Um, you know, I'm, as you know, I'm, I'm too fat, uh, and I'm also, also a little too skinny. Um, so I've been working on that, you know, and I've been, um, I've been taking part in the full gear challenge, trying to get my body ready, you know, full gear ready, uh, by May 25th. Um, I, you know, there have been times where I felt really optimistic about it. There have been times where I've been down the dumps about it. Uh, I'm somewhere in the middle now. I don't know what kind of shape I'm going to be in. God, I hope it's, I hope it's good. Um, I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a little on the, the downside right now, doubting myself. I, I did do a weigh-in uh, before I started. Uh, I was 219 when I started. I haven't checked. I haven't checked at all since then. So I have no idea. We've got uh, the night before Double or Nothing, we have the weigh-in and press conference. Um, I know last year, only Cody uh, and Nick Aldis weighed in. Uh, I've got a sneaking feeling that uh, myself and Pac might be the two weighing in this year. Uh, so I'm, I'll be honest, I'm nervous about it. Well, I mean, Pac shows up to press conferences in, in just the tighties. I mean, the guy's got, I think he will, I think he was born with 32 abs. It's hard to go up against that guy just from the eye test. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's tough. It's, uh, you know, it's, 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 uh, he's a tough somebody to compete against in that arena. Um, but you know, Hey, I got, you know, another two and a half weeks or so. So maybe, maybe I can really pull something together here. Well, fans are so excited about this match, seriously, because, it, you know, I don't know what the plans are, but if I was going to put an AEW heavyweight championship on the line, it would be this match because it feels like you got two young prime cornerstones. How excited are you from the standpoint of same thing I talked about with the G1 coming into this match with Pac and, and stealing the show? I know we got Omega, Jericho. I know we got some other big things we need to see, Cody and Dustin, but I, I, this is the match for me. Page Pac that I think is going to take over. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm very excited about it. Um, you know, for for most of my tenure in Bullet Club and, and the Elite, you know, I was never, I was never the singles wrestler, the heavyweight champion guy. Um, you know, that was always Kenny, or it was it was Cody in Ring of Honor, or whatever. Um, and I mean, I, I certainly had a lot of opportunities, but it just it never got to that point where I was that person. So for me, um, starting in all elite wrestling, you know, this new company, uh, it's, it's a fresh start for me. So I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to hopefully being able to step up and, and kind of take that spotlight. Uh, not necessarily away from someone, but to, to claim it more for myself than, than I have before. I love it. I love it. All right, Adam Page, you've been great. In closing, is Wikipedia true that you were trained to wrestle by the boogie woogie man himself, Jimmy Valiant? <laughs> Uh, you know, yes, uh, kind of, um, it is a little bit of a lie and it's my lie more than anything. Uh, I started training to wrestle when I was 15, uh, still in high school with, um, Jason Blade, uh, 
Justin Flash, two, two North Carolina indie guys. I started wrestling when I was 16. Um, so when I, I went to college at Virginia Tech, um, Jimmy Valiant has a wrestling school, maybe like 20 minutes from, from Tech. So I went up there, honestly, like three or four times, and he didn't even do any hands-on training. He had guys that he had trained, you know, decades before who were doing the training. And these were guys that I was wrestling every weekend anyway. Um, but at 18 years old, I had to tell promoters I was trained by someone, so they would book me. So I would tell them, give me Valiant training. <laughs> <laughs> this so reminds me of the Karate Kid I, when I they stole the black belt. Around. But now I can be honest about it. He wasn't like a, a real, my actual <laughs> trainer. But I do, I guess I'm an I'm a, um, honorary graduate from his school. I think that's what it's called. Hey, that guy could cut a mean promo in his day. He can get a lot of white trash women coming in his direction. So I give him his props there. And I give the same to you, Hangman Page. It's been a pleasure to chat with you. May 25th, Las Vegas, of course. Double or nothing. The launch of All Elite Wrestling. It's StarCast 2 weekend. Head to StarCast on Fight.com. F-I-T-E. Get that four-day pass for fifty nine ninety nine. Get everything. Press conference. Weigh in all of the above. Hangman Page, keep changing the game, brother. Thank you, baby. Pretty cool run up and down the road with a guy who may have next in pro wrestling, Adam. He was chill. He wasn't overly exuberant, but um, I like where he's going here. I like his story about uh, WWE did, in fact, back up the truck to him. And he had a very important decision to make, and you heard him say it, essentially, Adam. The money was great. He respects everybody from WWE. He actually really enjoyed the experience. They really tested him from the standpoint of he seriously considered making the move and taking the money and going for it but it came down to being an artist it came down to creativity it came down to the idea that something's about to happen that may or may not change wrestling and he wanted to be a big player in that adam i respect that about your guy yeah. adam who maybe maybe adam page can join the uh the adam crowleys of the world the um the rough riders of the world like adam x parsons because you guys all know that I'm a rough writer. And be part of this Adam uh, faction we got going on. Yeah, I think it was a calculated risk on his part. And that's not to say it was any less of a risk. It still was. You know, when you're a professional wrestler, you only know how much time you have in the ring. Um, but it was a calculated risk because he's young. And God forbid AEW doesn't work out or it fails or maybe just he doesn't like being there, whatever the case. Well, he can – in three years, you think WWE is going to come calling for him? Be like, hey, yeah, you, you – who's one of your top superstars on our competitor, uh, you want to come over here with a huge contract? It may even be twice as big as the one that he was offered you know, initially from them. So I think it was a calculated risk. It was a good one, and it was probably the right decision, especially for him, because to have the opportunity to get into AEW at this point, that young, especially where the other guys that are kind of starting it with you are older and not so much on their way out, but they're in the latter stages of their career, you're at the beginning stages of yours. So like I said, calculated risk, solid one. And, I mean, listen, we've seen him. NGPW didn't really put him over the way we kind of thought they might. Well, just right? in the G1, he got his close-up, I thought. Remember, like, the match with Okada was really good. I thought he was showing you in that A block last summer that they're ready to push him. But, of course, he chose AEW. He just he just didn't really get wins the way that we thought he would. It, we, I thought it was his year, and that never really happened. So I'm glad to see that he's getting this big match opportunity with Pac. I mean, they're putting him... In what might be the AEW championship match, we don't know what they're going to do. Maybe they give those titles out at the Fight for the Fall and the one in July. I don't know what they're going to do. Um, but it's good to see him getting this featured role here. And listen, I've been the one criticizing being the elite. We're getting him for this full gear challenge there, 30 seconds an episode. 
and we're spending seven, eight minutes on the Young Bucks, like training in the middle of the ring in some parking lot. And I'm not exaggerating. <laughs> they trained in the middle of the ring in a parking lot. And it was like seven minutes of the show. I want a little bit more hangman. I want to know what this guy's doing besides this gimmick. And um, yeah, I'm excited to see what happens. And he's one of the reasons why I think AEW will work because they have guys like him yeah, that are extremely talented and people don't know yet, but can blow up as big stars. And I doubled down and tripled down on the questions trying to get a teaser of what the feel of AEW would look like. And I think we found out by him not really answering that. Um, and he was honest about it, that not everybody's a vice an EVP for, for AEW. I know they joke that everybody's got a role. I mean, there is, seems to be a line between like Cody, the Bucks and Kenny, and then everyone else. Like he said, I'm just a wrestler. I'm not the guy back there making those decisions, but I'm excited to see how this goes. Um, I'm excited for anybody that's going to jump in and buy that whole StarCast package and see the roast of Ric Flair, watch the... I like that they do a press conference away, and I like all of that old-schoolness. By the way, Adam, this is not an AEW thing, but um, a lot of people were hitting me up in the DM saying, hey, you got to check out the Crockett Cup tag team tournament that NWA did, Billy Corgan, and uh, David... Uh, what's the dude's name? You know the guy, the, uh, the ex-WWE uh, creative guy who's... Uh, yeah, uh, his name's escaping me, but it's so familiar. It's yeah, you know the guy's tongue. damn name. Well, I follow him on Twitter, and he tweeted out the latest 10 Pounds of Gold series that they did. So it's a 10-minute video that recaps the entire tournament in the card. Oh, okay. Guys, you got to check it out. It's fantastic. They set that arena up, which is in North Carolina. It's a time warp. It looks like 1983, uh, Charlotte, North, you know, Concord, North Carolina, whatever. Like, look, and you had, you had the Rock and Roll Express who actually wrestled on the card. You had Magnum TA there, Nick, Nikita Koloff. But yet you also had Nick Aldis versus Marty Skrull for the NWA title. I just love the vintage look and feel that they're doing. I didn't watch the tournament. Uh, PCO and Brody King, I think, ended up winning it. Um, but that video really kind of made you want to so um i don't know what nwa's end game is i don't know if their event you know if there's going to be a title that can be defended on any territory or if they're going to start their own promotion or if they're going to join aew but they feel so much like aew that i i kind of wish they would i wish they could join put their heads together you know uh dave lagana dave lagana that's right that's right um well you know my suggestion at the very beginning was i thought that aew should have been nwa yeah. That, that's what I that's the entirety of what I thought. I thought build it as the new NWA and start fresh and go from there. Um, but obviously they have Tony Khan and he didn't want to do that. Um, I, I credit Billy Corgan for this guy. This guy loves wrestling, loves wrestling. And he was he got the opportunity to get his hands on a property in NWA and the 10 pounds of gold, the title, the World's heavyweight championship and is trying to do something with it without saying, hey, I'm going to go sink $4 million into starting a promotion or something like that. And I'm, I'm excited by, by that. Um, that said, uh, the opportunity I had previously to watch one of their shows was horrible uh, in terms of production, and it just it, it was not good at all. Um, so it sounds like this was far better. They had Cornette on commentary. They had what? Jim Cornette on commentary. It was good. Oh, that's good. That's a nice no, again, touch. Again, I didn't um, watch it. I'm just watching the highlight video, but you know. No, but that's that's a nice touch. Um, so I'm I'm interested in seeing the highlight video and maybe seeing that main event or the uh, the title match, I mean, with Marty Skrull. Um, but it looked like there was I'm, a I'm ring into, of honor I'm into N- NWA. Like I'm it both, like, both types. So it looked like, Adam, that, it was a co- that the show was possibly produced by Ring of Honor. I think I saw an ROH on the yes. banner because they had the Ian uh, Raccoboni guy as the play-by-play guy. So – Interesting. Okay. Where are they going with that? Um, I wanted to close with one more DM related to AEW from Adnan at Adnan1610. You know this guy. He's part of our, part of our family. You mm-hmm. know Adnan. He says, BC, this is a Why huge... do you always... Wait, explain. Why do you always need to check if I know the guy? 
because sometimes I, I, I'm like, who are these guys? And you're like, oh, that guy tweets me all the time. I'm like, oh, yeah. I know. <laughs> okay. Well, look, some of these guys are pretenders. Some of these guys are And contenders. some of these guys are girls, by the way. Let's let's not forget. Yeah, shout out to the girls in our in our family here. All right. Hey, BC, this is a huge move by AEW and the revolution. I know it's just the – I know. Okay, so What's here's the, the news, Adam. There was news this week. Cody tweeted out, I think today, that – Double or Nothing, AEW's launching pay-per-view, will air in the UK on ITV box office. Okay? Yeah, for like 60 bucks or something. Yeah, yeah, so here's Adnan's thing. BC, this is a huge move by AEW and the Revolution. I know it's just the announcement that Double or Nothing will be available on ITV box office, but you should know that ITV is the second biggest network in the UK behind the BBC, and if AEW can get their weekly wrestling show on ITV, it will make them available in more homes than the WWE here in the UK. Hashtag revolution. Hashtag are you all in. Brandy and Adnan, I am all in. Thank you. Um, Interesting. Interesting wrinkle. I know. Look, here's the thing. You say I never criticized uh, AEW. I'm ready to criticize them right now. You ready for this? Go for it. Um, hey, W, announce your American TV deal. Like, it's almost like, like <laughs> that's hey, not a criticism. Like, Come hey, on. bros, we're getting pretty close here. Okay, you're gonna have your 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 launching pay per view that, in some ways, could make or break you. Seriously, if it's underwhelming, people might go, oh, forget this. It, it's a giant thing right now. Freaking announce your TV deal already. We love it's, you. It's AEW. listed. It's listed for fifty nine ninety nine an American pay per view right now. Sixty dollars. What? Like, I'm sure it'll be. I, I hope. It's cheaper on like a fight TV or whatever else they get to carry it. $60 pay-per-view, like... Well, they're probably thinking that that falls in line with typical boxing and UFC. So since they're not launching with a TV deal, they're launching with a pay-per-view. They're, I think they're testing their waters to see how much in demand they actually are. Like, will wrestling fans actually buy this? And maybe if they do buy it, maybe we see them go in a I, pay-per-view business. I, I just think you're hurt. Like, whereas with with double, with uh, All In, I think it was... I might be wrong. I think it was 39 or, or 29 or something like that. But whereas with that, you're getting some of the casuals that are just like, oh, yeah, 30 bucks. I can spend that. Asking someone to pay $60 when the only name they may know, maybe, is Jericho, like a WWE fan who's like, maybe I'll check this out. Asking that person to pay 60 bucks, I'll tell you what they're going to do. They're going to stream it for free online on a, on a BS website. So be careful. I, I hope the Fight TV pricing and some of the other ones are cheaper than that. I mean, we're going to watch it anyway. I'm not criticizing it for our sake. I'm talking about for the general fans. You need to appeal to people who are not diehard AEW and right. and BTE guys. Right. And the only way the only way you're going to get them is to make it semi affordable and available to them. And, I mean, and it's May eighth. The show's in 17 days. Like, I mean, look, that's the argument here, Adam. In terms of like, look, the two biggest networks that are rumored are the Turner Family and Showtime. And if you go the pay cable route, Showtime, which by the way. CBS owns, so we love Showtime. But if you go the pay cable route, the premium cable, you may not get the casual fans running into you that you would if you were on a major regular cable channel that even if you do Sling TV or me, I just change to YouTube TV, I'll still get TNT. I'm still going to have a chance to randomly run into it if I'm checking for NBA games. So my point is that um, I'll criticize. Look, if they come out with a pay-per-view only system for 60 bucks, I may end up being a, crit- a-, a critiquer of that. I mean, we'll see how great the product is, but... uh there's a lot of pressure on them in this launch, and I, I certainly wish them well. So let me ask you this. You put me on the stand all the time on this show, right? Oh, yeah. I just got, I just got three, and we were both on these. I, we just got three tweets from someone who's going after you. Do you want to put the music on? Do you want me to read these? They're surprised. They came in four minutes ago. All right. We're, I, I got to run, but yeah, I guess I'll, I'll, to, to be fair, if I'm going to put you on trial, then. I don't uh, know what it is. I did not read it. Here we go. You 
true. No sense. It doesn't fit. If it doesn't fit, you must acquit. Son, my turn. <laughs> it's really a good drop. It really solid. This comes from Chad Plosinka at I Don't Exaggerate. And again, did not read this, but it came in five minutes ago. It's three tweets. Would like some quote-unquote hedge clarification, BC. Two weeks ago, you gushed about the Firefly Funhouse and how refreshing and different it was, praising WWE and Bray for embracing his character. Then the second promo came out, and you crapped all over it because it was stale. Last week, you gushed about Cody's promo and hoped that AEW would continue this particular promo trend. If AEW ran it back with similar material and vibes, would you crap on that too? Or would you keep beating the drum claiming that they are doing hot, crisp work? Possible AEW is so fresh slash exciting because we barely see them and they are currently in line with the scarcity principle I learned in my English, sorry, in my high school econ class. When does the original become the unoriginal? I get the theory of what he's saying, but he's way off on this. I didn't like the second episode of the Firefly Flunhouse because I don't think I got it. I think I didn't hear Jimmy on it. We explained it last week. You, you, ex- you explained what you got out of that and you liked it. I missed it. I didn't get it. I thought it was a step down from the first one. Episode three this week. I did. I liked it. I liked it. I like overall where the direction with the kids sitting there. At first, I was creeped out by it. I'm like, uh, overall, I did like it. I like where there's, they're going with this just the same reason that I liked the Hardys on TNA originally with the broken Matt Hardy because it's weird. And even broken Matt Hardy, by the way, that didn't always hit a home run. There were some that were just way off. I liked it because it was weird and it was going somewhere. This is completely different to the Cody situation. That Cody promo to me, again, was next level. It was brilliant. The delivery, the emotion, all that was being said, the shots suddenly taken at WWE, the changing of the narrative about the Cody versus Dustin storyline, everything about that was brilliant. If they're able to reproduce that on a regular basis, that style of brilliance where it doesn't, it wasn't just cheap taking shots at each other. That was a well thought out and written promo. Then they're going to hit home runs and Meltzer was right and BC was right. Um, This really is not really a comparison. I don't know why. Look, I'll take the shots, guys. I'll sit on trial because I stand up for what's right in wrestling. And just so you know, we opened the show by crapping on Vince and all that. When did this start? When I had the guts to stand up in those dirty bed sheets, pantsless, and say, SummerSlam <laughs> is not what you thought it was. You were entertained, but in reality, it kind of sucked. And since then, Adam, if we're being honest... WWE has sucked, but they've avoided oh, they've avoided they've avoided tanking by always coming back and giving us something that's refreshing that we like that's relative. Okay, I like that again. I'm back in, guys. But guess what? The build of Mania not good. Mania itself, yeah. All right, thank you. Oh, Mania was good. Come on, thank All you. Right. Last thing, because uh, I know you do have to go. Just a sh- shout out to MLW for signing the Von Erich boys, right? Yes. Oh, the yes, spot. that's cool. Did you see the uh, the um, Viceland Von Eric documentary? I did, and it was great. It was I mean, great. The and Bruiser Adam, Brody one was really good. Yes, it taught. I knew a lot of the Bruiser Brody story. I did not know, and I know other people do. And oh, Silver King, you don't know wrestling history. I I know wrestling history. I did not know the intricacies of the Von Eric story. And when I knew that the, they lost the whole family, I didn't realize it was all. Like so similar reasons, oh, like suicide and drug use. And I also didn't know they were – I knew they were big. I didn't know they were as big as that show told me yes. they were at least. There was a short season, and I love that story because I grew up watching 
World Class, which was their territory, on ESPN. And also the ESPN would play like archive episodes. So I got to learn what happened in 82, 83, 84 before I was watching from all the archive episodes. And, dude, the Von Erichs were so freaking over. It was insane. I mean, when Kerry pinned Ric Flair in 84 at the, at the David Von Erich Memorial Show to win the NWA title, that is still like the largest pop I remember feeling watching it on TV. And, I'm, and I watched it probably two years after it happened when they'd play those episodes. Um, so I knew the Von Erich story like crazy. The Von Erich story's been done in various documentaries. I mean, Grantland had a documentary on that one time. There's been some that are bad, some that are good. Meltzer was right. This was the best one because they really, 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 really got Kevin Von Erich, who's the last remaining uh, survivor, to open up. And they got him in Hawaii where he's become a recluse, and they got him to uh, to really tell the story in the, in the moments where he had to stop filming because it was too emotional. I mean, I mean, he even had that older sibling. So – I put over the Lapsed Fan Podcast a lot on the show. My boys, uh, JP and uh, and uh, and Jack are fantastic, and they do these long deep dives, like 15-hour deep dives. They did one on the AWA's Rise and Fall. They did one on the world-class one that's insane. It's it's almost like taking this Viceland thing and stretching it out to, like, 20 podcast episodes. This story's heartbreaking. It's amazing. Uh, it's just – it's ridiculous. I mean, the fact that even Fritz – pulled a gun on, on Kevin Von Erich and was like, you don't have the guts to kill yourself like your brothers. Like, it's just sick and twisted. It's ridiculous. It's insane. And the fact, and this is a minor point in the story, the fact that they thought in that era they could put a fake Von Erich in the family yes. and that that would work, like, <laughs> yeah. That's Vin, like that's that's what you're talking about with like Vern Gagne at the end where he kept putting himself over and Vince now. That's reminiscent of that. It's just like, what the hell are you doing? And I will give uh, MLW and Corp Bauer some credit here because they obviously came up with a smart situation to get these guys in their promotion. But my first thought seeing those boys at the end of the Viceland documentary was why the hell are these guys not in NXT? Yeah, they're jacked. It was, it was like pounding in my head. Yes. These guys are made for NXT. These guys could be huge stars in WWE. And it was all explained uh, in this release that WWE did offer them a spot in NXT and they turned it down because they want to live in Texas. Apparently uh, that show made it sound like Kevin just lives in Hawaii. Apparently he still has a place in Texas and uh, they work at the ranch there with their father and they wanted to stay living there. They didn't want to live in Orlando. So that's why they turned WWE down. But it was in my head. I'm like, why the hell are these guys not in NXT? Yeah. Like they're perfect. So and we've seen Kate, uh, Carrie's daughter, Lacey Von Erich, have a decent little rise yeah. in wrestling before she stopped. I hope these Von Erich boys can carry on. I can't wait. Cannot wait for the Viceland uh, Gino Hernandez one. Adam, that's yeah, a guy you got to get woke on. Was one yeah. of the best heels ever and then got involved in like the gangster lifestyle outside the ring I, and died. But uh, I know why the first episodes were Randy Savage, Bret Hart, Montreal Screwjob, because you want the casual, more casual fans to get into it. But the last two, the Bruiser Brody and the Von Erichs, are so much better than the first two. Yeah. It's it's the and it's not just cuz I'm learning things, they're just so much they're they're done in such a profound uh larger than life way. Um and it's just been really impressive. The Bruiser Brody doc's great. And, and Cornette as like the historian of note to go to in these docs is brilliant. Cornette's great in this role. Cornette's great in yes, he's right and I like that they use Dutch Mantel uh yes. in most of them as the uh narrator. Really All right. good. Time to say goodbye. Uh, follow our other shows, State of Combat Boxing and MMA this week. We've got the natural Randy Couture on. We're going to break down all things Canelo Jacobs on the box show. Adam, you got anything else to sell? 
A little special surprise coming with next week's WWE episode, which we'll be previewing Money in the Bank. We're not doing pay-per-view rewind. We will get to that at some point soon. But BC and I will have a little uh, multimedia surprise for you next week. Give them a view into your DMs first time? No, those stay private and closed. I can't never, I'm never playing that one again. All right, interview's over. Interview, interview's over. You stand done. Yeah, it's done. We out. <laughs>